Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What is up, Gypsy Gang? Um, sorry if that was annoying. I actually annoyed myself on that one. Uh, we're back for another episode, chapter, if you will, uh, of the Gypsy Tales podcast. And my guest today is... An icon in motocross. He's been around for as long as I uh, can remember. Um, he has lived multiple lives within the industry. First, as a factory rider um, in the factory 125 250 era, lived through a, a super cool era of the sport uh, as a professional racer. Uh, he then went on to work at Racer X. He's, uh, I guess, a pretty prominent journalist in the sport, I guess, if you could call him that. Uh, he then went on to manage the Troy Lee Designs uh, KTM team when they had guys like Sealy and Will Hahn uh, riding uh, for that team. Uh, and then he transitioned into the real world, I guess, uh, as a fireman. So, and then now uh, back in the industry, working with the guys at Vital um, and also hosting the Whiskey Throttle show with his co host and fellow legend Grant Langston. Um, so, yeah. The guys, um, we, we, yeah, linked up. We got this one, uh, we got this one done. Uh, it was really cool. I, I really, really, really enjoyed this conversation with Ping. Uh, this isn't a deep dive into his career or anything like that. This is just a couple of dudes that really enjoy the sport. Um, having a bit of a chinwag, we're in, we're in parallel lanes with the podcast. So, um, it was really cool to talk to a peer about that. Um, and I guess this whole sort of emerging internet space, um, that we're in, uh, in this motorcycle motocross world. So before we get into this episode though, just want to give a, uh, just want to give a shout out to our sponsors. Almost went over the bars on that one. Uh, managed to rev it a bit. Quarter before I went over. Uh, we're brought to you by the guys at MX Store. You can head to mxstore.com.au. I'm about to head there now. Guess what I'm going to buy, Ronan? No. Yeah. What am I going to buy right now from MX Store? I'm getting a fuel tank. Uh, sorry, a fuel container. A dope one for two-stroke fuel. Because, uh, you know what, it's a couple of two-strokes in the shed now, um, and they need their own cool container, so I'm going to call in, I'm going to do the order online, uh, and then I'm going to do the click and collect, because I have access to their Burley showroom. If you don't have access, uh, like me, to their epic showroom here in Burley, uh, if you order before 2pm, which it is currently right now, you can get same-day shipping, so you might as well live uh, in Burley. 
Uh, mxstore.com.au, the largest range of parts and accessories in Australia, hands down. Um, they're huge supporters of us and have been for a long time, so would appreciate it if you uh, if you would support them back. Uh, we're also brought to you by the guys at Boost Mobile, boost.com.au, speaking of people that have supported us for a very long time. Um, all of the recordings that we do with our US studio, um, we use Boost Mobile data. Um, we It's honestly indispensable for us. It's such a huge asset. Um, not only do they have the best prepaid packages in Australia uh, on the Telstra 4G network, but they also have a really cool refurbished phone program as well. That's what my phone is. I've got an iPhone 11 Pro. I was not going to pay retail. If any of you know me, you know that's kind of my thing. Um, so I ended up getting one of their refurb phones instead, and the thing is immaculate. Uh, boost.com.au we're also brought to you by the guys at Dixon Flannel and Fist Handwear they've just had a baby in the form of some Dixon Fist gloves and a Fist Dixon Flannel uh, pretty epic I've got both massive fan of both of these uh, brands and I'm really proud of my boy Sammy uh, also while I'm kind of being proud of my boy Sammy Simpson Motorcycle Helmets Australia just launched today. You can go and follow them on Instagram at simpsonmotorcyclehelmets.au. Uh, That's on the Instagram. Uh, and if you want to visit their website and get one of these fine helmets for yourself, um, they look so sick. They're, they're honestly the most gangster helmet. Um, when it comes to that road stuff, they just look naughty. They just make you look like you want to break the law, to be honest. Uh, but don't do that. That's not what I'm advising. I'm just saying they look dope. SimpsonMotorcycleHelmets.au on Instagram. SimpsonMotorcycleHelmets.com.au on interweb. I'm also brought to you by the guys at Rival Inc. Design Co., RivalInkDesignCo.com. Log on, get yourself a Gypsy Tales kit. If you're stuck for ideas, you can whack a Gypsy Tail logo on your own kit. Um, these are the go-to for us. Um, basically, every bike that we do, every bike that we touch, every bike that we're involved with, runs a set of these epic um, of these epic graphics. And you should follow them on Instagram as well at RivalInk design co um they have really really stepped up the game of late and there's some really fun content to follow along with um with some of the stuff they've got going on so massive shout out to those guys as well also finally the guys at cricks tweed you can head to crickstweed.com.au if you need any new or used vehicle uh kyle is your man there um that's the reason we get to go to do cool events and races is because uh, we drive a set of wheels from Cricks Tweed, uh, and you can too. That's it for the Sponos, bruh. Um, this was an awesome episode. I really enjoyed this one. Uh, Pingree is super close to our US studio as well, so if you enjoyed this one as much as me, um, I'm pretty keen to get him back on again at some point soon. So much more stuff we could talk about. He's a great dude. Uh, also, get around the Whiskey Throttle podcast. Uh, they do some real in-depth, epic uh, shows around some of the legends of motocross. Um, their stuff with RV, I think, is uh, maybe some of the coolest media stuff uh, that's been done in a while. So, enjoy this one. Love to you all. Peace. From the gang I'm at a gypsy. We're rolling, David Pingree. Welcome to Gypsy Tales, mate. Thanks, dude. I appreciate you having me on. I've been uh, a fan of what you've done over here, you know, as I mentioned. So stoked to check it out. Be uh, be on the show. Nah, be man. Be on the other I, side I, of the mic for a minute, you know? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, it's cool, man. I, I'm really stoked. I've been, I've been a fan for a long time. I remember being a, a kid um, with the Racer X subscription and um, and reading uh, Ask Ping. I always found that uh, quite useful. You know, it's like it's kind of weird when you grow up on the other side of the yeah. world, like away from the industry. There's like stuff that really like hits and and like the columns that you used to do in uh, in Racer X and everything. Yeah. But they they really did hit, and then. I remember uh, when you were the team manager for Troy Lee, I was like, that was kind of my favorite team there for a minute because I was like, I was a bit of a Ping fan. So, yeah. so it's cool to have you on. Well, thanks, man. Yeah, it's um, it's like I said, I, I, I know that there's, a, uh, you know, there was like a, there's an issue with Mathis and I that's more of a personal level, but I wanted to tell people like, because people think that there's like this beef between podcasters right yeah i love the dmxs guys i i like daniel blair i love your stuff i have no issues and so my producer and i were just talking about them all and he's like you should go on that show like you know because everyone just keeps saying like oh it's like a podcast battle these guys are you know and i'm like we all do things a little different we're all bringing a little bit different content and man i think the fans should be stoked and i just like for my part of it i thought well i'd love to be on anyway just to like chat with you but like i wanted to show that hey there's no no animosity at all, at least for me, among any of us, I think the more content, f the better for the industry. And um, like I said, we all kind of come at it at a different angle, so it's a little different anyway. Yeah, I, I mean, I totally agree. And I mean, for me, like, dude, I'm just a professional fan. Like, I'm not a, I'm not a media guy. I'm not any of that shit. Like, I'm a fan. I'm lucky enough to the thing that I did for the last eight years positioned me to know a lot of these dudes like really personally. And I got that because I wasn't mm. a media guy. I was like the film dude and I was hanging yeah. out. We're the same age. Like I got lucky in terms of the way that, you know, my career went, if that makes sense, you know? So that when the this yeah. podcast thing came around, like that, that just kind of added to the, the mix you know but i just i don't know yeah for me just i want to call out bullshit if i see some weird shit i've seen some weird shit i call out bullshit i hope that people <laughs> I, I hope that i honestly too like i hope that i get held to the same standard like if i say some fucking dumb yeah. fucked up yeah. shit call me out call me out yeah uh the internet does that pretty good they're pretty good at that that's one thing they do really well <laughs> yeah the internet is undefeated undefeated yes i think uh, none I worse think, i think one of the problems that we've got right now um is there is a real changing of the landscape i, w I don't want to say like a changing of the guard because you know obviously there's podcasts that have been going for a long time that they've got like a solid listenership that I, it's not going anywhere you know what i mean it's not like i don't think the the pie is going to get smaller for anyone that's like already doing an existing thing. Um, but I just think the landscape's changing and I can see, I feel like I can see some people kind of freaking out a little bit over that and maybe thinking that the pie will shrink, but I can, I know from my end, like the comments that I get and the messages and stuff like that. I think that what like this show in particular is reaching new people that like haven't had bikes for either like 10 years or they haven't really watched the sport before and they're getting into it and it's because like the youtube algorithm is like sending this shit to them and they've never seen anything like it before yeah. 
and then the people that are you know in the old you know in the older landscape of of media they're like oh it's fucking clickbait it's this it's that. it's like okay hang on a second this is what everyone does this is what every <laughs> sport in the world does this is how other sports have grown yeah. and this is why you're not doing that much yeah yeah i mean it's tough especially starting out i don't know if you had this but every comment that i'd see i'm like oh man, I better address that. Maybe they're right. Oh, so I'm not doing that right. Oh, I should change this. And then after a while I went, you know what? Fuck all you guys. Like I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. And then if you don't like it, you can fuck off and then just keep fucking off and fuck <laughs> off for eternity. Like I don't care. You know what I'm saying? I'm just going to do it to where I'm stoked with it. Like, and that's kind of where I've gotten at the end of the shows that I do that are good. I'm like, I'll look at my producer. And I'm like, dude, that was really good. Right? Like that was awesome, you know? And, and if I, if I feel that way, then I'm like, cool. I don't care what anyone says. And I've really, if somebody has something constructive, of course I listen and, and I do read through those and, but I have a real heavy duty filter, heavily oiled filter for that yeah. bullshit. And I just, it's gone, you know? Well, well, you've been in the game a long time on like multiple, multiple different levels too. So I think that, um, that it, it is weird though. Like I'm sure that, there's a big difference from when you were doing columns in racer x as opposed to doing uh the podcast shit or like shit online because it's like all right so let's backtrack to me 15 reading ask ping and then i'm like that's some fucked up shit to say pingry what am i gonna do write a letter send it to fucking pennsylvania <laughs> send it to pennsylvania hope someone opens it and then davy coombs set might send you a text like, oh, i got this fucking i got this fucking letter from this kid in australia that's super pissed off and you're like okay but when like a motherfucker can just like hit your phone and you get a notification in your pocket it's like fuck you ping it just hits a little different yeah yeah. And I guess we, I, you know, I'm a little older, man, I'm, I'm 46. And so I'm, a, I'm adapting to all that new shit. I guess kids that just grew up being able to talk shit like that without getting mm. punched. I guess that's normal for them. But like, to me, I'm like, dude, oh, and I try and like, I had a list at one point of, of, and I didn't know their names, but like their names on, you know, yeah, chat yeah, rooms, yeah. Right? if I ever see this motherfucker, I'm going to hit him with a tire iron. He's not going to know what happened. And I'm going to say, that's for that fucking comment. You know, you little prick, bap. But I threw that away. I worked through those issues. I, you know, like I said, I, it made me angry for a while. And then I realized these guys are just little bitches. They're jealous or, or whatever it is, or they're sad with their own lives that they're not doing something like you're going to shit on me for something I'm doing. Like I'm, 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 you know, I'm doing the best I can do. If you don't like it, then like I said, feel free. There's lots of other options out there. Like it blows my mind that people will take the time out of their day if they read something on a free, you know, a free website or a free show or they'll hear something they don't like and they'll take time out of their day to get online and I did not like this. And I'm like, I don't think I've ever been so upset when I would take time out of my day to go rant about it to somebody. Have you? Yeah. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills sometimes. No. Yeah, yeah. Now, and, and that's what you deal with. And I think uh, like it, we put out the podcast with Sam Hill yesterday and uh so everyone go listen to that if you haven't already uh he's like the goat of mountain biking and he just like doesn't ever say oh, yeah. anything he never does interviews not like literally nothing and he just never responds and his whole thing was he he said well i just never understood why i should care what somebody says about me that doesn't know me he's like if you know me 
yeah. and you're like a friend of mine and you know like all about me and where I come from blah, 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 blah. he's like and then you say something about me well then that's probably something I should listen to but if you're a person that only just sees what other people like the shit other people make of me like an interview or a photo or a TV he's like that's not really me He's like, that's just like a thing you're seeing. Yeah. So it's like, well, I don't know yeah. that I can invest in that person's opinion. Yeah. Well, what I think is cool about what you're doing, uh, what, what anybody in the podcast space is doing, right, is when when there was Racer X early on when I was there and Transworld kind of followed the same program, it was, wasn't so much about racing results, right? Because the personalities in the sport. That was really what drove those those publications early and made them popular. They were doing interviews with the guys at home or or you know mm. like off the track just so that you got to know them, right? You got to know the people because you can watch them at a race and and you like their style or their gear is cool or this guy's really fast, but like you don't really connect until you know them as people. That's what mm. locks people in. Like I used to be a pretty big basketball fan. I watched football pretty regularly and then. I kind of just lost, I didn't have a team anymore. Uh, and once you don't have a team or a player that you're like, I love this guy, man, it's so easy to just drift away and lose interest. And so mm -hmm. I just put that to motocross, like, man, we got, and, and so like, I look at racer X and they've since Davey took over MX sports and I'm not talking shit, but like, this is just facts. You can go look at it. That publication has drifted more towards race results and racing. Mm because he uses it as a marketing tool, right? And, and it's smart on his part. That's where his bread and butter is. So, um, and Transworld's gone away. And so like, what's left for to get to know the athletes, to get to know the team managers? What are these mechanics like? What do the drivers go through? You know, people that are really fans of the sport, they wanna know all that shit. That's the stuff that they really eat up. They get the race results like as they're happening online. Uh, you don't need to tell me, you know, what happened? Everybody either watched it. If you're a fan, you watched it or you followed it on Twitter or whatever the hell you did. So I think it's neat. This space, what we're doing, I think is giving that back to the fans where they're getting to know these guys, you know, um, whether it's a new kid or, or they're heroes from the eighties, it's getting, it's giving them a chance to really get to know those people and connect with them and see what type of person they are. And if they, if they do connect and they go, that dude's badass. I mean, jet is doing jet, Lawrence is doing this right now. So great. And I don't know if it's him or his agent or a mix of them all, but like showing up and having free donuts for the fans and, ha and giving away stuff for whoever makes the best sign. Like, dude, this kid is just killing it, but fans are connecting with him. Right. And my daughter, this scares the shit out of me, 14 years old. She's like, dad, she's following jet and reposting his shit. And she's like, I got to go to Paula. Can you take me? I'm like, Fuck no. Like I, the last place I'm taking you is a dirt bike track. I know what happens at the dirt bike tracks. Trust me, but he's just, he's killing it. And I think it's, it's, like I said, I, I love what you're doing. And we, we, we try to have the same focus as just like, let's, let's show the fans who these people are, you know, and give them that behind the scenes peek because when, you know, when they get on the podium, it's like, well, uh, I just want to thank my, uh, you know. That's you changing, know, man. It's sponsor, all... sponsor, sponsor. God, I can't take it. Yeah, well, so. it's it's definitely changing, dude. Like, honestly, one of the highlights, I mean, I could fucking talk on this for forever. Like, it's literally my mission is to help with this, you know. But one of my moments, there's been a few, actually. But Jalik Swole. Let's fucking hmm. go. 
as he walks up on the podium. <laughs> Fucking drop the mic. Yeah. Drop the mic. You don't need to say anything. You don't need to thank a sponsor. Say, let's fucking go and spray the champagne over some fucking people in the front row and you're done, Julique. You just won the fucking, won the overall and you just won the fucking weekend. Like, it was the best thing ever. And it's like, as a fan, like, like I said, I'm a professional fan. Like, I'm literally getting paid to be a fan of this sport now. It's the best <laughs> thing ever. And it's like, as a professional yeah. fan, you just fucking hit the jackpot for me, dude. Like, you absolutely yeah, killed yeah. it. And that hit with everybody, dude. Like, And I think that um, my, my Gypsy Tales DM is like a pretty good barometer, I think, these days of like what's, who's doing what and like what people are really pumped on. And I think that... Like when I, when I got the, when Jalik did that, my inbox, bang, 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 Jalik Swole, Jalik Swole. People that have never messaged me about Jalik Swole, people that have never, you know, he wasn't really on their radar that much. New favorite writer, new favorite writer, new favorite writer, new favorite writer. And then, you know, we did the AP podcast. Dude, that fucking blew up. And the people that, that sent messages of just like new favorite new favorite new favorite it's all it's always the same story you know like you get a great dude on yeah. that like is themselves says fuck a few times and shows that they're a real dude and all of a sudden man it just transforms you've just got fans for life for for these guys you know and it does make sense though like what what you said about like racer x and the the race results like that does have to be there and it's it's funny that like you almost like need that side to have this side if that makes sense and it's like sure like me yeah. and me and jacob were actually talking about it before so the um on friday johnny hopper's coming on and it's like he's this, his his channel i don't know if you like are too aware of what he does but like he's got a really good following on youtube he puts a lot of effort into youtube content and he does really well in that space because of like the angle that he's kind of coming at right but he's tmz he's like satire kind of like way way over the top like there's probably like a hint of truth in what he says and the rest of it is just like entertaining nonsense and it's like i heard um pulp and jason thomas just went fucking at this dude like it was the most dumb fuck rant i've ever heard on like even worse than the shit that was aimed over this direct i was just like boys i cannot believe that you're getting paid to be in the sport in the in the capacity that you are and you're not fucking aware of the internet and how the internet works and what the internet breathe you know what i mean it's like this is this is the most to me a guy like johnny hopper is the most encouraging sign for the industry because that means that there's some random fucking dude out there that can use the internet and the algorithms around the internet to get the sport out to enough people to where it's like financially viable for him win fucking ding 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 win if he can do it imagine what fucking pulp can do imagine what jason thomas can do experts in the industry people that really know what's going on if he can fucking do it, imagine the fucking ceiling for those guys. So it's like, if you're looking, if you've got any negativity towards what's going on right now on the internet in motocross, you're a fucking fossil and you'll be buried. 
like fossils are supposed to get buried and it's just it's that simple i agree man um sometimes i'm blown away at what what um like i don't know if you've even heard of like the hamecula kids from over here mm-hmm, there's a mm-hmm. group called they mm-hmm. call them, i mean they're they're blowing up dude i mean like making a lot of money just posting these videos they'll rip into a grocery store in a 110 and go up and down a couple aisles and rip out and that video clip blows up and they're getting paid and mm-hmm. it's a little bit like obviously i couldn't pull that shit off in the younger yeah. kids but i'm just like wow you know this youtube it's wild what you can do and how people can make a living but it's what it is you know uh we've actually just had keith mccarty on and i was talking to him a lot about the four-stroke revolution and then the electric that's coming and and he made a comment that was really good he goes look you can't stop progress you can't stop technology you can't stop it so either like you just said either get on board or get the fuck out of the way because it's coming through and so Mm. because i'm you know i'm old school two-stroke guy like i i'm disappointed that it does it didn't stay in somehow that at least the 125 stay involved as a transition bike and he and you know he goes i hear you he goes but you know like people wanted the four strokes we gave them the four strokes you know and he mm-hmm. goes when the electric bikes come out they're gonna want the electric bikes and i was just like man you're right you know like you're right so get on board and get the hell out of the way yeah and i mean you don't have to get on board you can just complain and then slowly fade away as like a complaining fucking bitch that like everybody wanted to stop listening to. <laughs> and it's like, that's just the fucking reality of it. And, you know, like our, what you said before about Jet is is so right. And you know what? I'll tell you from like knowing exactly what's going on in that camp. It is a mix. It's Jet and it is management and it's Red Bull. And it's a, it's a fucking crew of people mm. that are around a superstar athlete in the making. And man, yeah. everybody yeah. can fucking carry on about me being on Jet's dick and the fucking the, me carrying on about how good he is at overhyping him. Hey, he's fucking doing it, man. He's doing everything that like any of us said that he would do. But it's like it takes a a, a team around him, like Lucas Myrtle and Jeremy at Red Bull, and that like the nucleus that you know what I mean, the kind of crew that's surrounding him. Yeah. They can't just do that with anyone. You know, like that same cruise around Cooper Webb. Yeah. And it's like Cooper Webb ain't that. And, you know, it takes like that once in a generation kind of guy like Jet to do what he can do on like the Jeremy. bike. Like and, Jeremy you know, was. Jeremy, yeah. James. And then you've got to have a guy that, um, like, so with James, I don't think James really ever wanted to accept that position in the sport, if that makes sense. I think he was happy to like go win the races, do the shit, and then go back to, you know, back to Haines City and then back to Orlando and, like, he was living across the road from Tiger Woods. Like, I think that that was enough for him. But I think you get a guy like Jet, and he's maybe the first guy since Jeremy to, like, openly accept his position in the sport as, like, I'm, like, I can be the one that can sort of, like, carry it forward. And then it's, like, you... So yeah. you've got a, you've got the team around him, but that team around him needs like the star athlete to make it happen as well. And then I think that Aaron Plessinger is probably the next guy that's going to be like a real legitimate superstar in the sport. And he 
like he's just got the personality like he doesn't really have like the team around him you know so there's like a few elements that mm-hmm. are, have got to come together but i mean that's the era like i want to be in that era like i want to be in the era of the sport where we've got these like superstar kids with superstar management teams and superstar sponsors and really really fucking doing the thing to to hype up these guys and man the red bud podium this weekend was the like i swear to fucking god the first time i've ever heard a podium where the chicks were louder than the dudes and that was for fucking jet yeah that's massive dude like that is huge for the sport yeah so tagging on to that it'll be interesting to see how jet handles it when he's got some championships and that pressure to perform really starts to build because in james early days Jeremy did really well with that, right? He took that on and he he was always the showman, always doing what he needed to do for sponsors. He'd do the Tonight Show, he'd do whatever he needed to do, right? If you remember James when he first started, he was doing his dances out on the start yeah. straight after he'd win and he was, he was pretty charismatic and outgoing. And then you win some championships and all of a sudden the pressure really starts to stack. You're getting paid big money. And he did get, he'd got more secluded into you know, like you said he would just kind of hide away down there in florida and you didn't and now he's a ghost like you don't see him so i i don't know all the i could i couldn't get a hold of him to interview him to ask him what the hell happened but like something did and he just feels like he doesn't even want to come to the to the track so i hope that jet does goes more like jeremy's way right and he as he he's just able to take it on and he enjoys it because i and i can't even imagine it because I never got to that level, but like when you start winning championships and it is expected to win, anything less than a win is a disappointment. You know, you talk to Villapoto and, and hear how miserable he got in those last years. Yeah. Cause he goes, you know, I had to win there. Anything but winning was like failure. And I let everyone on the team down, every sponsor that was paying me money. It was like, we expect you, we're paying you to win. Like no seconds or thirds will do. So that's, we'll see. I'm anxious to see. And I hope jet can carry that. But to your point too, it's really interesting to me watching my daughter who doesn't, she's not a moto chick. Yeah. Like she doesn't. This is the perfect case study. Nothing, right? And and her friends, not they don't even have a dad that was into racing like me, you know? So I could see maybe my kids see the people I follow and whatever, and then they kind of, her friends that have zero to do with racing, they're all following them on TikTok. They're all following on Instagram and they all want to throw their panties at them. And it's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. And it's very upsetting that one of them is my daughter. But anyway, I, I just think, yeah, this kid has got it. He's got it. And so I'm excited to see what he does. So my, okay, I've got a couple theories. Um, and from, I guess from like knowing James, um, I guess I don't, I'm not like speaking for him. Like it's not an explicit answer to this particular question, but from like being around that camp. And again, I think this speaks like the era that we were in like you can go back i feel like and look at a lot of different sports and you can see parallels of just like the time before the internet and so when you're james right and you're in the thick of that like there was the vital forum maybe there was racer x and fucking trans world and and then you'd have these interviewers or like these reporters and they'd be like trying to get a scoop and they're trying to get a story and there was like there's no like right of reply 
in the way that you have with social media now. You can control the narrative because of social media. You get on your phone, someone writes a fucked up. The, the perfect example, and this was the, um, the, the thing that, the, the real reason I had a problem with what Steve said, right? Is because Josh, you got a guy like Josh Hill, and I fucking hate to bring it up, but it's just the clearest, most perfect example of, of this, what you're talking about, right? So you get Josh Hill, fucking superstar. Kid's incredible, right? Yeah, he's hanging around with Jason Lawrence, blah, blah, blah. Instantly, what's going to sell magazines is Josh Hill, the sports golden boy, the, you know, the next big thing, hanging out with uh, Jason Lawrence, and he's smoking weed, and he's doing this, and he's doing that. All right, well, you've just fucked that kid. He's never smoked weed before. Mm. Like, that's the fact. Like, as this goes to print what you just printed in a magazine or whatever, as that goes to print, the reality is that kid's actually never fucking smoked weed. Different story nowadays, like 15 years down the track. But right then, when you printed that, never fucking smoked weed. Never done a drug. And what happened? Yamaha put him on a fucking drug testing program. What do you think that does to that kid who spent his whole life Mm. racing motocross and training? He's got this ride. He's got this money. He's probably dealing with a fuckload of anxiety around performing at the highest level he's never seen millions of dollars he's just got his parents out of debt with this fucking money and you want to go and you say this kid's doing this and this kid's doing that now yamaha's got him on a drug test so this is the relationship that that gets created because of the media right and so when you don't have social media nowadays if someone said some fucked up shit about jet guess what jet posts a story goes out to all the people that it needs to go to and he clears his own name. So in that era, mm-hmm. and when media was that way, that was not possible. Josh Hill had no voice. Yamaha goes, mm-hmm. dude, shut the fuck up. Do the drug testing. It'll all go away. So what kind of feeling does that create? Now imagine what that felt like for James Stewart. And the, the pressure and the, with never a chance to reply, never a way to get what you want to say out, never a way to come on a podcast and talk for three hours and tell the full story that's why you saw what you saw with writers in that era and i think that's why it stopped now and i think that you can see that in a ton of different sports man and you know formula one's a great example of that MotoGP is a great example of that and motocross is a tiny bit behind the times and now it's coming into i guess like the the modern age so that honestly man like that's why i think you saw that and you know you get guys that they made their career off getting these kind of scoops and getting these kind of headlines and being the guy that broke that story and and when you've got when when you're a writer and you know that a guy's like the only way a guy can build their media career is by scoop after scoop after scoop and then you get to a point where like you're the fucking guy that's a that's a real place of distrust for writers but you've kind of been like ushered into the this position of power so that's my take on on why so many guys were like anti-media and anti didn't want to talk and didn't want to deal with depression they didn't want to take up the the um you know they didn't want to put the the sport on their shoulders and then go like you know what i'll fucking carry this sport i'll be the guy because they just got fucking tore down for it. Yeah. 
I, I think you're right. There's definitely something to that. I wish, though, that James could see that He'll come back. one, the sport be misses back, him. Fans yeah. miss him, dude. You think so? Yeah. Because if he would just come come out and say, just have, like your show, my show, one of these long form sit downs and, and it's like, what happened with the thing when you were put the light on the car and we're going to the airport? Like, well, you just think it was funny? Like, you know, explain it and go, yeah, I, I, I she was stupid. I screwed up, you know? Um, some of those deals, you know, tell us about the water thing. Like, did you, did you really have a prescription for that stuff? Like have how long you been, t- you know, just answer some fucking questions. And if, 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 even if he's wrong, just own it. You know, you know how that shit is. If a guy just goes, yeah, I, we did it wrong. I fucked up. I should have done this. We did that. But like at the end of the day, it's done. I can't, I can't change it now. Like he would just squash so much of the bullshit and people want, they, they want, to hear from him. You know what I mean? Mm. Like he was this, he was one of the most enigmatic guys we've ever had. And he just has disappeared and he's trying to run a company. You know, I don't know how seven survives if he doesn't get engaged. Mm. If he, if he would come out and do some marketing for them, that brand could take off. I don't know that it ever will if he doesn't come back, you know? And I totally get, like I saw that video clip. I think everybody saw where he's like, I can't even stand to go out to my old track and the smell of the dirt like just makes me sick. He can't even smell the dirt. He's got such a negative connotation with all of it. It physically makes him ill. And I, I guess I get that. Like I said, I can't even understand the pressures he was dealing with all of the bullshit, the, the, you know, kooks in Southwick that were, you know, the stuff I'm sure he's had to deal with some stuff, but it's like, man, by and large, dude, the whole sport misses you. Like we want to hear from you. So mm. hopefully one day somewhere he shows up and, Man, I did. I can't remember what year it was. It was when he was on Suzuki, and it was like, it was like Thanksgiving, and I was there doing some filming, and it was just literally just me and him, and we're we're and uh, his mechanic Dave was there, and um, we we did some filming, and then he come in, we were chilling in the shed, and I just said to him, I was like, dude, cause he was over it, and I was like, man, why don't you just quit, and then me and you go to Glamis, put a fucking sand tire on the back of this factory Suzuki, leave it with Supercross suspension in and break the fucking internet. <laughs> and I was like, and every three months you do some fucking dumb shit like a, a glamorous trip or, you know what I mean, like Ocotillo or you make a video with Twitch. Like, bro, you don't need to ever race a dirt bike again. And I like fully had this like sit down conversation with him in the shed. And I was like, please, dude please like you don't have to race like you need to understand like what year was he on a Suzuki I, I'm not sure maybe this was like 16 or I'd something I'd have to go back and look but like this was even way before like uh Berriman and um Axel had like the huge followings on Instagram I was just like pleading with him like dude just do the Instagram thing just drop crazy edits that's it that's all you gotta do nobody gives a fuck anymore like you've earned everything you've got yeah just blow up the internet and i was like i i did my best and then it was like it was hard what's he did he just kind of blow it off no no no. he he i thought it would happen like there was a period of time where i was like we, we, we were just talking about it and uh and i was like man i really i think it's gonna happen that it just didn't happen and i i haven't spoke to him in years now if he could realize that, that like, you're absolutely right. Four, four videos a year. Yeah, that's it. And he could, he could bring in a solid income 
and just do nothing but have fun. He could spend two and a half months figuring out what that video is going to be. Just fucking golfing, whatever you want to do. And then we're going to knock this one video out and like people are going to be talking about it for, for three months until we drop the next one. You're right. He, and he could, he could probably make enough money to never have to worry about the nut he's got in the bank. And then I, you do, I don't know, man, it's, um, so let's just, go I was just going to say, let's it, go. It's, oh yeah. Sorry. You go. Well, I was just going to say one thing about, um, you know, you talked about the media and it was kind of a reason why it was another nuanced reason of why I left racer X and why I, I wanted to get away from that. I hated that. I hated having to go to, you know, trying to go, Oh, I heard from this guy, this mechanic, he was talking to this truck driver and he had overheard guys saying that so-and-so is going here to this team. I fucking hated that. Yeah. I think that is so TMZ to your point. Like it's so lame, dude. I just, I didn't want to be involved in that at all. You know, like I just, it's just scummy. Like, uh, like it reminds me of a stringer reporter, you know, guys at ambulance chasing yeah. and you know, I just, I hate it. I fucking hate it. So I wanted to get back to like, how can I be involved? I love testing bikes, building cool bikes. Like that's fun to me. And, and I feel like I can provide some feedback. So vital was an awesome fit for me. I love it there. You know, like I just love it there. And aside from the forum, which there's always drama, there's no drama, you know, with what mm -hmm. I do. Um, but, and then, and then the whiskey throttle show, I'm back to where, like what I was talking about with, you know, your show and mine, where it's like, let's show these people, let's, let's really like expose who these people are, mm. you know, let them tell their own story and let people just get a look at what's this guy like on a, you know, on a Sunday when, when there's no mm. race and like, what's he really like, what's he really about? And, and like I said, that's why I said, I dig what you've been doing. Cause you get that, you get to see who these guys really are. And I think that's the heart of the sport. It's not the bullshit. Uh, you know, I gotta get, drives me bananas when the silly season stuff oh so-and-so signing with, I, I think he's signing with this it's like ah fucking cool like the pr will come out soon i don't know i just to me it's just yeah. scummy and and they they go from truck to truck you know just hey dude i won't say anything well, what's going on with this you know and then of course of course they're gonna say something you know i don't know man it, it just it drives me nuts and so i've completely disconnected from the professional racing side of it in terms of like being involved as a media member. I want nothing to do with it. I'm, I'm like you, I'm a fan. I watch the races on TV or, or if I go, but it's like, I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to rehash the thing, you know, the bench racing shit. I'm, I'm just even over that. I want it. I like to get to know the people. What are the guys, mm. what are the riders like? What, you know what I mean? And like you said, Plessinger, AC, Jet, like when I see personalities like that, I'm like, hell yeah. Those are, that's fun. And if you look back through history, whether it's Hannah, I just posted a picture on my Instagram this week. Somebody sent me this photo of a podium at Unadilla. Oh, with the fucking hand on the titties? Uh, yeah, yeah, dude. It's Stanton, RJ, and Hannah. And I, I had to, I had to uh, brush out the titties. We tried to post it on our Whiskey Throttle page, and they immediately flagged it. This girl's got her tits out, and they're not real, and they're fantastic. And Stanton's like <laughs> pulling a thing up, getting a look. And then in the next shot, Bob's got his hand just on it, you know? You go back and look at the personalities we've had from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and then shit, even 2000s, RC, James, K-Dub, you know, like we had personalities. We had, we had those characters and I just feel like they've all gotten, as money comes in, it gets more professional and everybody has to be real straight laced. Yeah. The internet changed shit, you know, social media, you, you, 
you couldn't get away with that stuff today and the PC culture we're in and all that horse shit. I miss that. I just miss the guys being able to be who they are for better or worse. You know what I mean? And you like them or you hate them. J-Law, great example. A lot of people hate him. I think he was good for the sport. I think you yeah, need that yeah. villain to the Ryan Dungey, you know, who's so fucking squeaky clean. He makes soap look like a garbage can. Yeah. You need them both. You got to have them both, you know? So anyway, J- that's J- my rant. I just hate, I've, I've grown to hate that media side of it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and but hey, like, uh, like I said, it's super necessary. Like we, you definitely need yeah, it, yeah. but you, you need it to see kind of what's wrong with it, I guess. You know what I mean? Like, and, and yeah, I guess you just got to make a fucking choice. Like which side do you want to be on? Like there's ways to make, you can make cash out of both ways and you can, you know what I mean? Like I, I definitely think that, that yeah. there is a, a place for, for both. Um, and I mean, fuck dude, like there's so much shit that ev- like everybody hears it, you know, like there's maybe three or four dudes in the industry that will like break stories, but you think they're the only three people that, that know those stories? You think they're the only three people that hear <laughs> no. what's going on? You know what I mean? What's going on? It's like, they're just yeah. the people that make the choice to post it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and a lot of times you're burning people's trust. Uh, Fuck yeah. I knew about Will Hahn leaving star Yamaha months ago. Yeah, you know, 100%. like when he was first talking about it, I'm, I'm obviously yeah. pretty tight with the TLD guys. So I heard that and I'm like, shit, okay, cool. Man, I'll be rad for Will. And they're like, well, don't say anything. And I'm like, okay, I won't. Yeah. And then, you know, before he releases it, of course it's out on yeah. nine different places. Right. And I just think what a, what a fucking burn of that guy. Like he trusted you or whoever, wherever you heard it from, he trusted that guy. I just, that's just shady to me. I don't dig it. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, you mentioned J Law, dude. The exact same conversation I had with James, I fucking had the same convo with J Law too. I was just like, dude, whatever you let me know, whatever the fuck you need, whatever you need to get yeah. a few videos yeah. done to drop them, like you need fucking whatever. Let's make it happen. Twenty twenty one, it's J Law season, baby. Like. Right now, too, this is my marketing fucking brain and, like, the film brain just goes absolutely wild when I see this shit. That it's like, okay, who's the biggest dude in the sport right now? J-Law. But J-Law Jet Lawrence. He's, like, he's the fucking dude. So, hey, you got the fucking, the OG J-Law, the real J-Law. You got that guy. Let's fucking, let's make a comeback right now Well that J-Law is doing his thing, you know, like tag onto the shine, be like, hit the brakes, kid. I'm the fucking real J-Law. Let's drop it. You know what I mean? You'd get Jet in on it all of a sudden, bang. Like that's the sort of shit that gets my fucking brain excited when I see those kind of like storylines and stuff. And, and to me, like I'm always thinking about, um, I'm always thinking about the sport, like a movie. Like, what's the story? Like, what act are we in right now? What's the storyline? What's playing out? And and it's like, let's fucking ham it up for the people that are at home that love this shit. Let's give them something to fucking love. Like, they already love this. Let's give them yeah. something to love. And, you know, like the James coming out, like dropping four videos a year and like four new ranges, like seven, 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 bang, fucking where the new yeah, range yeah. in each video and then it's like that's doing its thing and that's not connected to racing at all and then you've got like 
the fucking Jason Lawrence comes in and be like, hold up, motherfuckers, I'm the real J-Law. It's like he's the Nate Diaz of our sport yeah. if you want to draw like a fucking, yeah. you know, UFC references. Though. So there's just so much cool shit that you could do in this sport without like breaking any kind of stories or without any connection. I'm still going to watch the races. I'm still going to be frothing on it. Um, but yeah, it's like, it's we're, we're just so lucky right now. The time that we're in, if, and like, yeah, I guess if we get some of these guys to just really see the vision and fucking go all in on it. So here's a question then, like, cause I've, I've had, I've reached out to Jay lot to, to, to come on my show. I've, uh, I called Scott Sipkovic and had a long talk with him and he, he even goes, dude, I can't, this guy, he, half the time he doesn't reply to me. He goes, I, he goes, I got him a bike and he, you know, like it, J-Law's squirrely. I mean, at, <laughs> at best. Yeah. And, uh, so I'm thinking shit, even if he did reply to me, I'd be like, all right, dude, you buy your ticket and then I'll pick you up from the airport. I'll hand you cash for the ticket right then. But like, I'm not buying your ticket. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But he won't even reply. You can't. Even I would buy so a fucking is, ticket and a hooker. I'd <laughs> <Sweet laughs> deal. I'm like, I'll have a bad bitch. Well, at least you'd you have the hooker for the night if he didn't hours. show up, right? Yeah, I'm like, I'll give you a bad bitch for 24 <laughs> hours, bro. You do what you want. Just get your ass in the studio. I, I he's squirrel. I just don't know that he'd show up. And I'm like, so my point is, I don't think he sees. Same with nah, James because yeah. we didn't come from that era. I don't think they, they understand what you're talking about, how big that could be. And it was like, dude, it would be so simple for them. So simple. This is zero, zero work for you. So when do you think it'll be a guy in this generation, right? Like somebody like maybe it's Jalik Swole, maybe it's Styles Robinson, like a younger kid who kind of gets it. They get social media. They get all how of them. The will works. do what you watch, man. In a few years, all of them, uh, Evan Ferry, like Levi kitchen, all of them, dude. They're the fucking, like, they're the SoundCloud rappers of motocross. You got, like, Tupac mm. and Biggie and fucking 50 Cent. Like, that's, like, K-Dub and Jay. Now we've got, like, fucking Lil Uzi Vert, Lil Pump. Like, <laughs> that's what it's going to be, you know? Yeah. And the, all yeah. those kids are going to figure it out. And my hope for those kids, sorry to, like, interject in the answer, but my hope for those kids is that... uh Dude, like Jet's merch is making fucking bank. Like he's really doing good out of oh, merch. Oh, right? I already bought my I, my daughter made me buy one of his shirts, and they were fucking all sold out. out. I had got the last one in a medium. Yep. So <laughs> that that's the lane. So what I think, like this is my roadmap, or this is like my advice to to the younger generation coming out there. Get a fucking get a filmer, get a con, get someone that you can partner up with to help you make content. Put that content out and start a community. If you can have 1,000 legitimate fans, all right? Let's use Jalik Swole. I fucking love that kid, right? Jalik Swole. 1,000 fans of yours that are really fans. Okay, that's not very hard to do. Make $100 off each of those fans throughout the year and you've made yourself $100,000. Now... There's not that many kids out there that can make that kind of money. And if you're on a team and you've, you know what I mean? Like you got a couple sponsors, that's good money. Let's say you can get 2000 fans and you make $100. Now we're at 200,000 fucking bump up them numbers boys. And then all of a sudden yeah. it's not, you're not so dependent on this kind of machine that you've kind of got into. And 
you know, you look at so many kids, dude, like, because the biggest problem I think our, our sport faces right now is you get those two years of your first pro contract. And if you don't hit in two years, then you're done. And there's no way back. So you've got to figure out a way. You've got two years in this sport now, essentially, to make your mark and become a, a undeniable figure in the way that yeah. like AP is like, he's undeniable right now, you know, like any team would want him and he'd be able to probably make money on his own. If like, let's say a team wasn't going to pay him a bunch of cash or whatever. Um, so yeah, I really think that we're entering the, the, the SoundCloud rap generation where like these kids, cause that, and I guess the, the reference there is like a lot of these kids aren't on a label. And if you think about the, yeah. the motocross industry, in in a parallel to the music industry it's like you you there's five record labels you can sign with and you got to get on one of them big labels so and that's the if you whole don't knock industry. some bangers out you're done exact exactly <laughs> and if you don't if you're if playing you uh, you're hit, playing in a buff in a bar for yeah, tips uh, exactly you know yeah. so it's like you yeah. either uh and there's been no way to be like an independent artist and and be at the top of the sport kind of deal you know so yeah, I, I think that yeah. you're gonna you're gonna see more independent artists come that are like they'll maybe because like you know like a Jason Anderson kind of guy. It's like he's got his team fraud thing going on. So it's like let's say oh we're redoing the Husky contract. All right, cool. We only need like this from you. Like we just need kind of like a bike and like we can get our own van that you know. So we'll pit off to the side. So it's like they're with a label, but they're semi independent. You know, so there, there's a lot of ways that the landscape can kind of change just because of the internet, I think. I think one of the kids that'll do it now that we've been talking about here is Hayden Deegan. That kid's already done. got it figured out. It's already done. With the yeah. help of his dad. <laughs> yeah. That The following they have, the, the merch they're selling, I'm like, dude. And I mean, I think Brian just has a good eye for that, even through his career. He was really good at putting on a show and... and following whatever trends that were going on to make money he was in and he's already got a full-time guy i think it's a brother-in-law or something like they that. they got two i think full-time video guy twitch's dudes yeah it doesn't well they got is that what it is okay yeah, it, yeah. they have yeah. people following them around 24 7 shooting pictures yeah. taking video to put out on social and create content and i mean that's kind of hard to do unless you can afford that or you have a friend who you know is just rooming with and you're like hey fucker if you're going to have free room and board, you're going to yeah, take a yeah. video for me. I mean, however you got to work it out, but like, that's it. It's content is king, right? And some of the yeah. shit they put up, I'm like, it's no big deal. I mean, this is, he just takes a thing and oh, I'm here. Cool. See you later. But it's like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter. Like people just can't get enough of it. Yeah. Well, people are like, they got to figure it out. Man. I, think, I think people are just invested. Mm -hmm. Like, and, and the thing too, is that you've got to add value to people like in whatever business that you're doing like whiskey throttle show that adds value to people like there's there's something very tangible there and it's the same as the deegans man like so ben town like you know bt super well um the he's the yeah, guy that I stole that 101 guy. from you um but <laughs> <laughs> i i it's on lease and he's welcome to it anytime he wants that's that's kind of the agreement we have yeah, fair enough. I feel like he's a dog. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like, so his kids, he's got he's got two young kids and they watch the Deegans every single morning. 
And it's like, they froth that shit, you know, like that's the, that's the audience. And they're really adding value to those kids. And you know what I mean? Like, like I said, you guys add value yeah. with risky whiskey's little show. And I think that if you're a, if you can add value with content, another perfect example, dude, is a guy that would be sick to get on Whiskey Throttle, man, is AJ Catanzaro. Like, that motherfucker kills it. Like, he's killing it. Jeff Walker, <laughs> killing it. Same shit. Just adding mm. value to people, man. Like, they've figured out a way to make great videos that connect with a, a group of people and it adds value to those those people. And that's how you make money. Yeah. 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 It's, you know, like I, I enjoy it. I wish I just had more time. I mean, I've got three jobs that really all require a full-time effort and yeah. I'm somehow splitting it up. So it's, it's cutting my time up a little bit. I'd like to do more. I just don't have the time. And right now it's just not quite to a place where I could hire an assistant to come in and help. Yeah. So, yeah, but it's crazy. Like you said, the, the possibilities and the opportunity between just the internet and social media, man, you just, it's crazy what you can do. So what was the, um, what was the initial, uh, I guess like the genesis of whiskey throttle show? Cause it's a fucking great show that you guys have done. And I think to the fact that you guys did it with like the live audience as well, that was like a really cool point of difference to other shows. Um, and then I think yeah. you and GL have a, a great dynamic. I fucking love that loose cunt. Like, he is a wild man in every... He is as Zulu as it gets, that motherfucker. Yeah. Amen. Uh, it started out... Um, you know, I, I went on DMXS for years. When I was commentating the Nationals, mm. I, I was we were voicing it over in Atlanta. So I'd fly into Atlanta, oh. do the DMXS show that night in studio. I did that for a year, you know? And then, They're the best, man. Uh, they vo voice it over and then fly home. And so I got to be really good Iser and kevin are like the coolest just They're the good, nicest coolest good, guys you good could, people great, great people and he helped me a lot Iser did i i said hey dude i'm thinking of doing this and he gave me so much advice he goes tell your producer to call me i'll help him i mean he helped us over a lot of hurdles that we would have stumbled um but then i i got to um i got to listening to a lot of rogan and yep. you know his guests um i liked the way i like like i was saying or when the show's over Maybe it's somebody I didn't even know. Um, I remember listening to Elon Musk's, uh, uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr., you know, a handful of these guys, and I didn't know really anything about them. And when I got done, I felt like, wow, I really, I kind of got a vibe of who this dude is. Like, I, I really kind of feel like I know him. And now I'm, I'm connected, and, and I started following those guys on social media, and I'm, when they post something, you know, like, it engaged me. Yeah. And I thought, shit, there's nothing really like that. Like, everybody does their interviews over the phone, um, no one's really doing, there was a live shows were pretty rare. Like they would go here and there, but I thought, what if no one was doing YouTube, um, at the time I'm like, what if we made like a YouTube show that was also available in a podcast and it was long form. Like we just went as long as we needed to go. And, and when we started the concept, I thought probably go like what, two hours you think? Yeah. And we're like, Oh, that's a long time. Everyone's like no more than 30 minutes. No one has any interest in listening for anything for more than 30 minutes. And I'm like, I've listened to some four hour Rogan shows and like, I'm in, I'm, I mean, yeah. I'm in, I get to where I'm going and I'm like, shit, I sit in my car and keep listening for a little while. Cause I don't want to turn it off. So I just said, no, fuck it. We're going to go as long as we can go. Let's plan on two, two and a half hours, you know? And then when Roger came on, which is a fucking tough way to start your first show, right? You got Roger DeCoster. I could have talked to this dude for a month 
and yeah, uh, yeah. just broke it down by year. It was four hours, you know, and we, and I had to, I had a list of questions. I don't know how many pages long and I had to just start scratching shit off. I'm like, no, no, I don't have time. I don't have time. I mean, I got to get this guy out of here. He was drinking wine and he was starting to get tired and sleepy. I'm like, we gotta be done, dude. <laughs> but anyway, it just, after that, I was like, wow, that was, that was crazy. I learned so much shit. He told stories. Like, I don't know if you caught that show, but like he told, taught, told us about Jeremy's throttle on that Suzuki. Uh. Um, uh, that year that he rode for Suzuki, his mechanic, he had to have Wyatt seals. Jeremy was adamant. Wyatt was hooked up with some chick and super distracted. And they finally, they busted Roger and Mitch busted their ass on that Suzuki to get it to, to run. It was a third and they got it working and the test bike. Jeremy's like, I'm good. I'm happy with this. I'm happy with it. And then they go to the race and he's like, I don't know, man, the clutch doesn't feel right. And I just doesn't feel fast. And so about halfway through the season, Roger, like flying in late and then getting the first flight out to get back to hit this pussy. He was just super whipped and not <laughs> focused on you, you got to be all in on a, a guy like that, a job like that. Yeah. And so he goes, he's fucking done. We're bringing skip back in skip breaks the bike down as it was from the last race. He goes, um, look at this. He, he's got the, the air boot off. He twists the throttle wide open. That's only going up three quarters of the way. He had put a Honda cable on it, which was super common back then. We use Honda brakes and levers and cables and chicks. They were just better quality, but it was too short and wide open was not wide open. Well, there's your, there's your horsepower problem. And then the way he put the clutch in, it was something was wrong and there was shit. It wasn't like put together. Right. Skip's going like, what the fuck, dude? Roger goes, if we just started with skip, Jeremy wins that title before the end. No question. Yeah. That's so Whoa. heavy. Super. Super heavy. Um, so he's telling shit like that and about how his first bike, his dad didn't want him to race. So he, he bought it on his own. Didn't tell his dad, hit it in his buddy's garage. And his dad used to always sit there and read the paper at night by the fire. And he's sitting there reading the paper and Roger had this little local race. And he, his dad goes, Roger DeCoster wins local motocross race. That's how his dad found out he was racing. And uh, he goes, I thought I was going to get in so much trouble. And my dad goes, Oh, I didn't know you were racing, you know, you know, and was cool about it. But th to me, those little stories are gold. Yeah. And I'm like, fuck, I think we're onto something cool. Like, let's go, you know? And so then the life component, we started doing it um, every couple of few months. We were doing a live show and they're super fun, man. We have a happy hour, which is my favorite part of the show. Guys just get lubed up. The guest is cruising around. You know, we would invite, you know, Anybody local, Troy would be cruising around. RJ was coming to a lot of them. Donnie Hanson liked the free beer, so he'd show up to all of them. Yeah. And so, you know, imagine being a, a imagine you're a, a basketball fan, right? Yeah. And you get an invite, and for 30 bucks, you can come and have free beer, free pizza. They're going to interview Michael Jordan. You can yeah. talk to him. Yes. And, and, you know, there's a couple other dudes walking around, Stockton and fucking whoever. Pippin's Spud Webb. around. And maybe I'm Spud Webb. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah you'd lose your fucking mind. You, you yeah. would just think, what? I can't believe this is happening, right? I mean, and motocross guys are more accessible than, than stick and ball, but still to be in that environment where we're playing ping pong and cornhole and drinking and music's going and you can, you can go up and just have a conversation with Jeff Emig and, you know, mm. uh, it's, it was really neat. A lot of people were like, dude, that was the coolest fucking night of my life, you know? So I was like, okay, this is cool, but it, it's a ton of work. And one thing we found was we had the same 100, 120 people show up every week. Mm. And because, you know, we're in Corona and if you, you know, Corona traffic on a, uh, we were doing them on Friday nights. I mean, that 91 on a Friday, 
you might as well just shoot yourself in the head. It's going to be more fun than. I really don't miss it, if I'm honest. (laughs) Oh, really? That's shocking. (laughs) Crazy, Uh, right? No, so we're we're trying with some different ideas. I love the live show aspect, but I can't do it in the same place every time. It's got I've got to be able to move it around. So maybe we're talking about trying to get back to you know, kind of bouncing around the country and doing some different places with different guys. So we'll see where it goes. But um, like I said, for me, I'm enjoying it for one. And uh, I'm trying to do like this, create a digital catalog because this is something they did uh, like long form interviews in a magazine with the writer. That shit's gone. Yeah. Right. I mean, if you, let's say Eric Johnson did the most badass thing about Bobby yeah. in his whole career and it was fucking half the half the magazine in 30 days. No, it exists. If you didn't read it, it's gone. And who's and so now with these, anyway. we can. Yeah, well, nobody now, right? Yeah. But back then, yeah, they, you know, magazines were ha- had pretty good numbers. Um, I feel like now anything you do, anything I do, it's on the internet forever, man. It's it's going to always be there. So you create something that's evergreen, which is why we kind of stay away from like race results or like talking about yeah. specific, you know, we just stay away from that. It's more about the athlete or the person or the mechanic, whoever it is, it's there forever. And if anybody goes, man, what I heard, what was all this shit with Keith McCarty? I'm gonna go, what's he, you know, what's he all about? On and boom, Keith's telling his whole life story, death to where he's at now, or birth to where he's at. Yeah. That's kind of our, our, our deal, you know? Um, and like I said, it's been a lot of fun and people seem to dig it. And we're trying to get better as we go. We had, I don't know if you ever had any audio issues. We, we've tried to move to a couple different studios because where we normally shoot, we have no heat, no AC. Yeah. And so you'll see us in the wintertime. We got beanies on. We're wearing sweatshirts. Yeah. And that's fine. But like when it's a hundred in there, we're not doing it. Right? Right yeah. I'm, I'm out. Tried to find these different places. And we had this podcast studio. I thought, oh, you know, they got everything all set up. It'll be easy. Well, something in their mics was fucked up and the audio is all shitty. And everyone's like, audio is terrible, dude. I, I can't even listen to it. Yeah, I know. I, I apologize when we put it out. It, it is what it is. Like, you know, yeah, we really wish we that actually wasn't have sent the case. it off to try to get it. Yeah. I, like they're telling me some fantastic, cons- you know, Hey, uh, the audio was terrible. I couldn't even listen to it. I had to turn it off. Oh, I know yeah, I yeah. fucking shot it. I like, I know that it's bad. I'm sorry. I'm not going <laughs> to have Keith come back in for another four hours. Oh yeah. I mean, anyway, we got a that. couple snafus, but yeah, I mean, that's just the, yeah, that's just the fucking nature of the beast. That's why I built this place, to be honest. Like, I just, and it's always, always a work in progress. And I mean, the, the US side of things, like, my, the goal is to, is to actually build like a, literally a copy of this studio there so that it, I can just come back and forth uh-huh. and just do, yeah. So that, that'll be like the, the, the long term project but yeah man fuck it's got to be so dialed like it's just it's so hard and then even like you know people don't people definitely don't understand the work that goes in um to producing like the amount of content that we put out like it's fucking hectic the amount of shit and i still don't do a good enough job and it's like me and ronan and jacob over there like it's a fucking ordeal and uh yeah, I, yeah. I don't think I don't think people understand like just how hard it is to do and to do on like a shoestring budget too, you know. Yeah, 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 and I mean, I, I'm sure you're the same way. I mean, I'm I'm multiple hours in prep before a show. My producer then has to go and fucking go on that footage, 
editing it, uh, uploading it to YouTube, the podcast side, like it's a lot, like you said, it's a ton of work and it's thankless for those guys. Right. So mm. it, 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 it does irritate, irritate me when people are like real petty about stupid shit. Like, you know, I don't know. It just, I, it can drive me a minute, but anyway, I love doing it. And, uh, like I said, I think what both of, both of our shows, a lot of the shows that are out there are doing, it's a big service for our sport, I think. Yeah. no, nah, and, and it's I mean, where it's, it's headed for media. Yeah. And it's fucking rewarding too. Like to, to see the, I mean, I personally get a lot out of it. And I think, um, one of the, one of the biggest things for me is like the accountability too. Uh, that comes from doing a show like this. You've got so many people listening. And um, I mean, on the, like I've, my love of motorcycles has never been at a, a higher in my entire life. Like, peak, is that right? Oh, fuck, dude. Like out of control, man. And it's because of this show and the people that listen and the writers that I talk to. And, you know, like I really fucking hope whatever that magic little juju is that's rubbing off on me and my love for two wheels is rubbing off on the, the people that are listening. And I think that, you know, that's another real big thing to, to keep in mind. It's like, it's hard. I mean, you and GL, like you've been there and done it all, but there's like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people out there that just get like so much motivation to pour gas in their bike after listening to like your show and my show and what, what everyone else is doing. And, I mean, that shit's rub, rubbing off on me, you know, and like the the accountability yeah. side of it too, to, to know you've got people listening and to know that your words mean something and if you say you're going to do something, you've got to do it and, you know, you can't be a fuckhead because then people can come yeah. after you for being a fuckhead, which is fair. And uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I think that there's like a, you know, some, some multi-layers uh like multiple layers that go into it as well, which I think makes it like quite a special thing to, to do. Yeah. Dude, do you know this place is about a mile, 1.2 miles from my house. I looked it up. I'm like, shit, I don't know how far I got to go across town. Let me look. And it's like, we're in the same neighborhood. That's insane. Eh? <laughs> I rode my motorcycle over here. Fuck, yeah. That's awesome. That's funny. Um, yeah. The, uh, yeah, for me, like the the bike test thing, this is one of the things I was like keen to talk to you about because you're like a big bike build guy. So I was uh, keen to talk to you about that. But that's been a, a big thing as well that I've like, I've really got fired up on doing cool bike builds, riding shit that's not the best, riding some old stuff and trying to make yeah. stock stuff work real good. Like I think that there's, I think that like, there's a general kind of renaissance going on within motorcycling that I think is super cool as well. Just, just of a whole vintage Are racing, enduros, like team rate, you know, yeah. there's a lot going on day in the dirt. Yeah, I agree. One of the, one of the coolest things about my time at racer X, which it, it was a great transition for me to go for racer into like whatever else was coming next, because it was just an easy step. Like, I was able to write, uh, because in, I, I was just a decent writer in high school and like, I, I was able to apply it, but it just, you know, when you, and we talk to a lot of guys, I'm sure you have too. If you've talked to guys who've retired, like they fucking struggle yes. when it just goes from I'm racing, I'm racing, I'm not a racer anymore. And they don't know what they're going to do. It's like a fuck. Look, I'm telling you Dungy right now, dude, he's struggling. Big time. He's right. like scrambling, trying to figure Big out time. what it's going to be. And if you don't have a focus, I mean, dude, these, some of these guys go off the rails. Um, 
I don't want to name any names. I'll burn them out. But like, I don't have to tell you a lot of dudes are not doing great. Um, but the coolest thing about it for me was, um, what Davey really liked was road trip stories. So Mm. he goes, go, go fucking race, put a race together all over, you know, wherever I came to Australia or, uh, New Zealand did, uh, Oh, uh, sick. Uh, what is it? Ta- ta- Taupo? Oh, Taupo, yeah. Right? That's it? Yeah. Yeah, yep. BT's track. I came and raced down there. I mean, dude, I went all over the freaking world, and I would just, they would pay my expenses, maybe give me a little start money. I'd bring my wife with me, and we'd go do all the shit we could, shoot some photos, and then I'd come back and write a story about it, you know? Yeah, that's and so good. one of the things I got to do was, not just moto, I did, I did a couple of hill climbs, pro hill climbs. I was racing mini bikes, you know, when it was going fucking bonkers over here. Yeah. Uh, I did supermoto. I did some flat track. I did a GNCC. I did a works race. I was doing it all, man, like doing track days on, on road bikes. And I, it really, um, I think as moto guys, when you grow up just a moto dude or, or even just an off-road guy, maybe you ride a little bit of track, you get stuck into thinking that that's all that's cool. That's all that matters. That's what I know, like dirt. But now you got adventure bike shit and you've, you've got so many different things you can do and it's all fun. I mean, like you get a group of, of your boys together riding one tens in the backyard. I don't give a shit that it's a kid's bike. It is so fun. You know what I mean? And so like that, it really expanded my love for just motorcycles. And I, I think that, like you said, there is a Renaissance. People are kind of figuring that out. Like, well, maybe I won't go moto. Maybe I'll go on this trail ride. You know, my buddies have been doing this. And so they'll go figure out off-road and be like, I really like that, you know, kind of depending on where you live and what's available to you. But uh, that was one of the, the neatest things about working at race Rex for me was, was opening my eyes to all that stuff. Um, pro hill climb, dude, I can't tell you how much fun that was. Uh, and supermoto. I think those were my two, maybe my two favorite things to go do. Yeah. And I only in the hill climb, they were trying to get me on that unlimited bike on the alcohol and shit. I'm like, no, 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 I'm, I'll do the 450. you know, what, what, yeah, yeah. so fun. So fun. Yeah. That, that was a, a, a cool thing. And one of the talking points that, um, I did want to hit with you is you seem like i think it speaks a lot about you that you went and were a fireman like at some point you mentally you quit racing you're a great racer you had a great career you quit racing and you said okay time to be a fucking adult and then you went and you joined the (laughs) fire brigade and it's like it's from from what i see with people is that there's some guy so like for dunge for example i fucking love ryan dungey he is probably one of the nicest human beings that is walking this earth currently right now but he is he is very lost as to what he should do post racing and it's been the same for a long time like i i think and you know like there's a guy that's just he's uh he's dedicated his life to his career and he was so so insanely dedicated and then he got to the end of the career and like he he has enough money like he doesn't need to work that's the weird deal but then there's a guy like you i'm assuming that you didn't make enough money to retire for the rest of your life and support your kids and then their kid i i'm assuming you didn't accuse uh, generational wealth <laughs> during your time on the no I, I mean i it obviously there wasn't nearly the money in the 90s as it is today i put i put a good number and like i live in a great house like i set myself up decent but yeah, yeah. i had to work like yeah. straight away 
but you, and, you um, could have I'm, I'm assuming that you could have made that call of like i'll just do the racer x thing and then i'll you know you could have just kept hanging on to the dream for a really long time and i think that um when you realize that it's almost like the train's going on without you like the industry keeps moving and all of a sudden like the guy that was getting podiums in the 125 class in 98 is like in 2008 isn't that relevant in the same way where the industry is just going to keep you know like i think you, yeah. you were one of those guys that made the call and it seems like from the outside looking in that that's been like a great move in your life like you're still involved in the industry but then you've got this kind of like real world real life kind of thing going on as well and yeah it seems like you did the post racing thing right even though yeah like i'm sure you did set yourself set yourself up but it seemed like you made the right decision yeah well i appreciate you saying that i mean like i said the racer x thing was such a good transition for me because i was able to take those few years and, and i was still having fun racing and that's the thing it's like getting off drugs if yeah. you just cut heroin off just cold turkey you're gonna be fucking shaken and you know it could kill you you have to wean off right and it was the same thing like it allowed me to still go and do some racing and write some stories and i'm still like i'm still not a racer, but I'm kind of, I'm still a racer, you know, and I did some supermoto, like, so that kind of got my fix there. But during that time, it was actually when I went to TLD's team and started managing there, I was like, at Racer X, I'm like, there's, there, I've, I've hit the ceiling for pay, right? I, I, I can't live the rest of my life making 65 bucks a year. Um, I'm not a racer, okay, shit, well, I'll, I'll do this team manager thing. And I think I did, I'm really proud of what I did at TLD. You know, when, when I took over over there, those guys were struggling to make main events. You know, they were coming out of winning championships in Supermoto. If you remember, I think it was 08, they had Gavin Grasick, Justin yeah. Keeney. Yeah. Um, anyway, oh, a little goose, a little Gossler. And they were struggling to make mains. And, and so when I took over, I said, okay, we need to make some changes with the rig, with the program, just a few little things. They already had a great... Um, the guy who was managing the team before Matt Jory, incredible engine builder, this guy, incredible engine builder and mechanic and just all around crew chief. Right. I said, dude, put Maddie in his strength. Let him be the crew chief. He can handle shop. Let me, let me get the setup better. Right. That the rig didn't work guys. It was not set up right. They, they weren't, none of them, these are younger guys. Like a lot of them, they didn't have any kind of regimen or program to go riding or training. I said, let me help them. And then let me win some other guys, you know, and uh, so their, their team that first year, which was Jimmy Albertson, Bloss, uh, Moss, yeah. Jake Moss, and um, we hired Sean Borkenhagen. Yeah. And those fucking guys, pretty ragtag group, bunch of group, right? Like Jake was a badass. He was so fast, but just squirrely, right? But yeah. that dude damn near won Salt Lake City that year. He was a few laps away from winning it. Um, he, he rode top five at some 450 outdoor nationals that year. And then he'd have some big crashes and knock himself silly. But those guys, there was times we had four guys in the main and all four of them in the top 10. And I'm like, I mean, we weren't on the box yet that year, but I'm like, dude, we're, that's good. Blos was top five almost all the time. And those guys were filling in, you know, inside the top 10. So then the next year we had BT and Will Hahn and Seeley. Seeley and, and Will were second and third a bunch of times. You know, Will was on the box just about every week. And then BT was running on the box in 450 class outdoors. I'm like, dude, we're doing this on about a $900,000 budget, which if you know motocross budgets, yeah. that's fucking the end of the shoestring. That's just the little plastic tip. Yeah. 
and we were getting good results. So I was really proud of what we did, but I'm like, man, I'm back to traveling 25 weekends a year. And that was the thing I always hated about being a pro it's racer. Brutal, I fucking dude. hate to travel. I hate it. And you know, it was better in the nineties after nine 11, then it got exponentially worse. I just hate it. I hated yeah. staying at a hotel. I'm just kind of a homebody. I like, I like to be in my own bed. So I, I was, uh, my father-in-law was a fire captain at the time. And he goes, and I was just chatting with him about, it. I'm like, I, I gotta, this, I can't do this. My wife had just had kids. I'm gone all weekend. I come back, I get Sunday afternoons off and then I'm right back at the race shop Monday through Thursday. I can't do it. I'm, I'm going to have to, I got to figure something else out, but I don't know what to do. And he goes, and he goes, well, what do you like? You know? And I'm like, well, I want, I can't sit at a desk. Uh, it was the first time I've ever <laughs> tried to figure out an Excel spreadsheet and writing contracts and working budgets. I'm just like, this sucks. Monday through Friday, team manager job sucks. It's terrible. Uh, I did get to go to the track occasionally with the guys. And on the weekends, when you're up in that tower, it's the next best thing to being on the line. Yeah. When their 30 second card goes sideways, dude, your adrenaline is up to you. But um, I'm like, I, I can't, this isn't something I can do for 30 years. I can't do it. And, and, you know, again, there's just, there's a really low ceiling monetarily. Um, there's no, there's, you know, no retirement really to speak of. So like, I, I got to figure something out. And so he goes, I, he goes, what do you like to do? I said, I, I want something that challenges me, something maybe physical. I can't be stuck in a desk. It just drives me bonkers sitting at a desk all day. So, you know, I don't know something that I don't know, man, something physical, something that I can engage and use my hands. I guess that's the kind of stuff I'm looking for. I don't want to be a day laborer. And he's like, you're pretty much describing my job. Cause you know, he goes, I'm, I'm, you need to come see, look at the fire department. I did one ride out with him. We had like a car fire, some chick stabbed her boyfriend, just, you know, the day to day shit that you get. And I'm like, wow, this is weird, dude. I'm in, I want to do this. I go, this is it every day. And then between calls, you know, the, the crew, this is the thing I love about the fire service. I mean, the fires are really fun. Like I just had a gnarly cutter where I had to cut this car open to get this patient out. That shit is so fun, man. Just like it's just fun. It's like an adrenaline and, and, um, well, it's you, real you, too, right? I, it's real. And I, and this was the other thing I said, I want something that like, I, at the end of my life, I want to look back and, 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 and be proud of what I've done. Right. I want to do something substantial, something a little more profound than riding a dirt bike in a circle, you know, and I'm not downplaying our sport. I, I love motocross, but I'm just saying when I, I want to be able to like really be proud of something I've done. And this is, this does that, right? I'm, I'm doing something that, I mean, literally saving lives at times and, and being there on people's worst days to try yeah. to make it a little bit better or keep it from being worse. Right. And this checks all those boxes. Um, it's not a ton of money. Like he said, you'll never get rich, but he goes steady, solid job. It, it provides you a, a pension at the end of your career. You're going to have health insurance, you know, when you got little kids, that's huge. Yeah. And so it, it just, it fit for me, man. And it was fucking hard. I mean, <laughs> from the time I left TLD at the end of summer, 2010, I went straight into paramedic school. There was a class opening up in, in August and I actually had to tell the team, um, Tyler Keith stepped in and kind of took over for me. But I said, dude, I have this opportunity to get into this class. They were kind of tough to get into. And I said, if I don't take it and, and actually it was funny cause I had negotiated with Troy for a better pay. I said, look, man, I, what's going on here. I can't do it. I was, he was giving me two days off a week to still do my race rec stuff because I needed that income. Cause he wasn't paying me enough. I said, you got to either yeah. pay me and I'm going to do, I'm going to be all in on this 
or I'm, I'm going to have to figure something else out. And he's like, Oh yeah, you know, man, I don't know. I'm the budget, man. And I'm like, it just, everything lined up and it was like, okay, well, there's a medic class starting here in August. And I got in and I was like, guys, I got to go. And, um, two, I mean, a year of medic school. Right. And consider, I just took a $60,000 pay cut. Yeah. I was still doing race rec stuff on the side, but my wife was working. She's a hairstylist. She had to ramp up her clientele to get us through. We were on the Dave Ramsey fucking envelope program. Have you ever heard of that? Nah. It's a, it's a thing called financial peace university. And it's like, you have a, a food envelope, uh, entertainment uh, envelope, of, uh, going out to dinner and you put cash in each one for the month. And when that shit's gone, you can rob from Peter to pay Paul, but like it keeps you, you just keeps you on a budget. Fuck, I need to do that. Got us through that year of medic school. <laughs> I, dude, I, I'm telling you, it saved us. Yeah. Uh, when I came out of that, I, you know, I, I got hired right away. Shitty little department and just sort of worked my way up into where I'm at now. I went through three different places. But it was fucking hard work, dude. To get to where I'm at, which is a good county department, solid, it was five years of, of like... <laughs> and this is the thing people don't get. And I tell racers this all the time. Moto guys make great firemen. They make great cops. You can fucking do anything. Cause in this sport, I really yeah. believe you, you learn skills successful at anything, just determination, hard work. Don't quit fucking, you know, focus. Like, you know what I mean? Just think of all the things that make a good racer, a good, anything. It doesn't matter yeah. what you want to do. If you apply yeah. all that shit, you will be successful. And, well, um, PJ Lawson, the hardest cop. part for me. Yeah. You know? PJ Larson's yeah. a cop. Damon Huffman's LAPD. Yeah. Um, uh, Turbo Reef, you remember that name? He's yeah, a fireman yeah. up in Santa Barbara County. Yeah. So yeah, Joe Joe Olaf or Alof. Do you remember yeah, that name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. rode for Subway Honda over here. Yep. O e h l e h o. Anyway, yep. he's a fireman at my department. We yeah, got hired right. in the same tower. So what what department yeah, are you in? The same academy. San Bernardino County Fire. Okay. So it's yep. San Bernardino County is the largest county in the United States. It's fucking massive. It goes from you know, where Glen Helen is, Fontana, that whole area, all the way to Arizona, all the way to Fuck. Nevada. I mean, it's fucking huge. It's wow. a massive county. So we have mountain areas. We have San Bernardino City, which is like for several years in a row, it was the most dangerous city in the country. It's fucking stabbings, rapings, shootings, murder every night. A fire every shift is wild. So you can really bounce around. And I have because I get I go to one place. and I'm like, I can't fucking take it here anymore. I worked in the city for a year. And you just start to hate people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're like, I, without being there, I can't even explain to you, but they just, these people don't, they, they don't appreciate you. Doesn't matter what you do. You didn't get there quick enough. You know, fuck you. What, they, they just not appreciative of all of what you're doing. And so then yeah. it just starts to break you down and you're, yeah, anyway, I couldn't do that's, it. That's and one then of we the have crazy areas things. that are, are super nice. That's one of the crazy things about like just law enforcement in general um, is that, you know, like that you obviously like it's highly publicized in America, like the kind of problems with just general like law enforcement over there. But it's like you guys see the most fucked up aspects of yeah. human culture. And then when you just see it over and over and over and over again, it just you have to objectify it in your mind. Like you have to create stereotypes. You have to create these boxes to put people in to separate them from like everybody else because it's like there would be this line of people. Like there's a box that you would have to put in a rapist and a murderer and a, someone that wants to stab some. 
unfortunately, you have to cut, cut, like compartmentalize that because otherwise that's how you see every human. And that's just, you, fuck, you yeah. can't operate like that, eh? No, and that's the biggest thing I tell guys is you, you have to be okay with blood and guts and you have to be able to just do exactly that. You have to be able to compartmentalize this job because if you start taking what we see and the interactions we have and just applying it to like everybody. To humanity, yeah. Uh, you you'll be very very salty you you'll you'll struggle to like um you'll just struggle to stay positive right and and guys do there's a lot of ptsd in our in fire and law enforcement that's not really talked about but it's it's pretty radical you know you go and see i was just working with a guy who's who just went on a 12 year old kid who found his dad's gun and wrote a suicide note shot himself in the head and his mom came home found his kid and she's in the notes it says mom came home you know, patient on, on bed, his brains are on the floor. That's what the notes said. And he goes, when I jumped out of the engine, I heard her screaming upstairs. And I mean, that's heavy shit. If you have a 12 year old at home, that's heavy shit. Yeah. My, um, I got, I got, so you have to, you have to be able to put that in a box. Mm, I got family, um, that, are in like police here and man, like he, uh, one of my, one of my uncles, he's like the, writes like the um morgue reports and shit like the post-mortem reports mm-hmm. and um dude some of the sh- like he's just fully fucked up now you know like he's done it for so long and like he's he yeah he's fucked like he's, it's like a yeah. job that a human being shouldn't do like someone that's got daughters at home you know like and he's up in the north like where we grew up like he's literally done autopsies of little girls that have been eaten by a crocodile and you're pulling out like a girl mm-hmm. You know, you're pulling like a girl out of a fucking crocodile's stomach, like just the most fucked up shit and just like kids getting hit by cars. And, you know, there's just oh, there's so much gnarly shit that a cop has to see. And it's it's always like really upsetting when you see like, and, you know, there's fucked up cops out there for sure, you know, but it's like on the daily basis. There's fucked of, up people in yeah, everything. Yeah. Any job there's people and so yeah. it makes me a little I, I get a little heated about this whole law enforcement thing and people saying we have racist cops or bad cops cops fund the police that's bullshit there are a handful of assholes just like there are in any business in any yeah. job in any industry yeah and those be punished accordingly to, to paint the entire law enforcement it with the, with that broad of a brush is complete horseshit yeah it's complete horseshit and there's got to be like a level of compassion and understanding for what people go through on a daily basis too. You know, like, I think that that's the, like you said, you know, you read in these fucking notes, like I had, you know, my dog got sick the other day and that it was like a traumatic thing. Like my fucking rant, like some, a junkie somewhere had like dropped some fucking drugs and shit on the floor. So my dog's eating this shit and like my dog's just fucking, oh, you know shit. what I mean? But it's like, he's, he's fine. But you know, like you go to the hospital, that's like a traumatic thing in my world, you know, but it's like, <laughs> that's fucking nothing. That's literally nothing. Yeah. When you compare it to a 20 year career of a fucking cop in LAPD, you know what I mean? Or like someone that's in the yeah, San Bernardino yeah. fire department, like there's, there's a real lack of understanding for, I guess the, the shit that people go through. And I think that when whenever like whenever people do get negative about this or fuck this fuck that it's like okay so the problem here is we need to make 
we need to make the shittest people in society better. Like, that's what makes these problems better. Like, the shittest areas, and not, not even, like, the shittest people in terms of, like, the people themselves. That's obviously helpful. But, like, there's great people that are stuck in shit towns and shit areas and around shit people. Like, that's the way to fucking fix a lot of this is just, like, make the lowest possible living standards in America better. And same in Australia and same everywhere. Like, yeah. whoever's doing the worst even if they're not a bad person, make that person do better. And I feel like so many problems go away. Yeah, I, I agree. That sounds fantastic. The problem is you have to want to work. You yeah. have to be willing to work, right? And there is a, uh, the segment of our population here, I can't speak to everywhere in the world, but I see it here. I see it all across the country that just don't want to work. They want to, they want to take care of them. And that's just not system was set up. Our system was set up, you know, as a capitalist society, love it or hate it. That's what it is. It's what made America, America. And you have to get your fucking ass out of bed in the morning and you got to grind. That's it. And the harder mm -hmm. you work, there's no fucking limits, right? And we see that we see guys pull themselves out of the muck here and become billionaires all day long. It happens a lot, but if you get up and you know, you're waking bacon and then you're fucking just, you know, getting fired from job to job and you're a turd. It's rough. You, you live in a place, you have no money. It, and it's like, and then it's just a cascade downhill to the lowest denominator. So until those people are willing to step up and work, I, I, you can't help them. I, you know, the, the Anaheim stadium here had a big homeless problem. Were you over here during that time? Yeah. Remember all the, the homeless encampments along that riverbed? Dude, San Diego was, a, was crazy too. Down. I remember San Diego wow. being well, like... Well, if you were a bum, bum, that's where you'd live. The best weather. <laughs> <laughs> but they did an interview with all... You know, there was hundreds of these homeless people living in tents along that river. And they said, hey, if, if the government wants to come help you out and, and put you in a house, and would you, would you want that help? And they were like, fuck no, just leave me alone. I don't want any help. Just leave me alone. I want to just be here and do my thing. 75% yeah. of them said that fuck off. I just leave me alone. If you don't want help, you know, you can lead a horse to water. You can't make a drink. These fucking people do not sadly, whether it's through drugs, bad upbringing, no parents. You, if you, if you aren't going to, if you don't want to work and help yourself, there's no amount of money we can give you. There's no amount of opportunity we can provide to you that will help. You're just fucked because you don't want to work. Yeah. And I think that globally there is a, an issue with people not being able to look in the mirror and go, okay, it's, it's me. I need to yeah. fucking change. It's not their fault. You know, they blame it's your fault. It's your fault. No, fuck all that. Every, a lot, everybody has issues. Everybody has shit that goes against them. Shit that doesn't go right. Every day you get up and you have a choice to change your attitude and go, okay, well, yesterday sucked. I'm going to kick some ass today though. I'm gonna go work hard. Mm. Are you making that decision? Or are you going fuck? You know, didn't go my way. Life's life's beat me up. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. There's some people who have some really shitty circumstances that happen to them and, and we should have a safety net for those people. But you can also look in and see where it's chronic, where a guy's just, you know, right now people can't find employees because our government's yeah. paying so much to stay on unemployment. They're like, why would I go to work, man? I'm making more here than I yeah. am at Home Depot working full time. Can't do that, man. That doesn't work. That doesn't work for our system. So, and like I see the, I see when I go in on a call, 
and and it's a it's a decent normal track home and but i look inside and it's clean doesn't smell like a fucking diaper in there and they go oh, yeah. thank you for coming you know my grandpa fell down or right away you go okay this is a decent human being yeah right and and we still have to give professional courteous service no matter what but in my head i'm going okay this is a good this is a good family yeah cut to san bernardino city or some other shitty city and you walk up and it just with the weed smoke hits you at the door and and they're like don't even acknowledge you to swing the door open and you're like who am i here for man did you call 911 <laughs> yeah, over there you know and there's someone laying on the couch and they're you know it's like what's going on today man I was stomach ache. I just want to go to the hospital. And you're like, you don't have a car. Someone can drive you. You want to go in the ambulance. You called 911 because you have a stomach ache and you go to the hospital. I can't tell you. I'm telling you all day long you get these calls. And so yeah. it's very, very difficult to like to, to not um, really have that impress that like there's some people that just, they don't want to work. I don't have any respect for that. Yeah. The one thing you, you got, um, you know, and again, I think that's motocross teaches you that. You won't, you won't even, it, you won't even make a top 10 at a, a race, at a local race, if you aren't somebody with a good work ethic. Our sport just demands that you have to work, right? And so that's been beat in day one. I mean, I got three jobs. I'm not complaining. I'm fucking doing it. If I got to stay up late, if I got to get up early, I'm working because I'm passionate about these things and I want to see them do well. So I, 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 I'm a little jaded there and I, I acknowledge that. Like I it's probably, you got me on a rant a little bit here, but no, 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 it just I, does piss me off when I see, I see opportunity given to people and they just are like, they can't, you know, they can't even reach out and take it and like do something with it. It pisses me off. No, no, I fucking totally get it. I think, uh, I definitely have, I've had like a big perspective shift over the last few years as well, just in general that I, I, I kind of. I think helps in terms of uh, it sounds like kind of hokey and, and kind of weird in a way, but it's like when you close your eyes, it just, it's black. There's, there's nothing there. The world's gone. You know what I mean? Like that's, it's done. The shades go quiet. And then there's no, there's no like a uh, boundary to that space. You don't know how big the closed eye, the darkness that's there. It's just, that's kind of infinitely black. And then you open up your eyes and then bam, the world's there. And then that goes for infinity. Like, you know what I mean? Like you can see, if you look through a telescope, you can see the fucking stars. Like that's how far when you open the eyes, like your universe extends and that's your universe. Like that's your yeah. perspective from when you close and open your eyes. That's where you stand in this universe. That's a perspective. And I think that it's very, like it's not helpful to, to, you know, I kind of even what you said, you know, like you get and you look in the mirror and you're like, all right, I'm going to get out and I'm going to go into the world and I'm going to do this. It's like, okay, well, you're already in the world. Like every time you open the, your <laughs> eyes, like the whole, like everything, you that you, everything that you see, like this is your world. There is no other world. Everything that's in this world is you. Like when you close your eyes, it's gone. There's nothing there. So I think that I wish people could kind of, see the world in that way like i see everybody that's in the world as like that's they're my responsibility they're a part of my world this is like my universe when i open and close my eyes like this is you know what i mean like this is mine i have responsibility over all of this and i think that the the there is like a real big problem i think or it creates problems when you feel like this individual 
that's like navigating their way through some external world and it's like me versus everything else and i've got to try and fight to get my place in this world whereas it's like i think if everyone kind of maybe adopted the different perspective of like all right this is my world everything is me i am everything it'd be like really hard to be a dick to somebody in that way or you know what i mean it'd be really hard to make excuses for it it's like this is this is the view of the the universe this is the fucking thing that you've got to work with so like have fun like go and go out into this thing explore this thing that that you've got and and you know everyone is a part of this thing when you fucking open your eyes you know and i think that yeah it's just one of the problems is it sort of speaks to what you said you know it's like this thing of like i'm this agent in this world and it's like everybody else is against me in a way you know and i think that i think it's like a perspective problem people have and and i think that it's real easy to be like compassionate and loving towards people if you view them as like an integral part of your personal universe you know it's kind of hokey and weird to say but i think it helps no it's true i mean like you know you can look at it from a christian perspective i'm a christian guy so i i always think like you know what you do for the least of me you you do for me like that was something jesus said so or i teach my girls you know we, we see people begging for money and i'm like ah let's not give them some money let's go run through taco bell and i'll bring this guy some food like yeah. i try to show them some different ways to help right and but i think that um you know whether it's like gandhi had a statement you know be the change you want to see in the world yeah I, I push that on my girls really hard too. Like, you know, you can say, oh, I wish people weren't so grumpy or so snarky or attitude. Okay. Then you exude the kind of personality you want people to have. Then yeah. you be that happy, go lucky, bubbly person. Right. And, and it will fucking rub off. It, it does. My wife's that way. I tell her she's like sunshine walking into a room. She comes in and it's like, she has this smile and this energy. And you're just like, you can't help but just go, it's like a puppy coming in the room. You, yeah, you can't yeah. help but smile. And uh, I, 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 I'm not always great at it. I, sometimes I get like kind of over-focused and, you know, caught up in shit. But I, like I do clen- think about that. Fist. And I'm actually, it happens to all of us. We all have to have our yeah. release. Uh, but I'm reading this book that I, I, I've five times now, and I think it's phenomenal if you're into reading much. But it's called uh, As a Man Thinketh. Yeah. Uh, James Allen's the author. And it's just sort of about how strong our brain is. Do you follow David Goggins by any chance? Yeah. yeah. Have you seen him like kind of talk about this, the power of your brain? Like, dude, what you think is what you are like, you will become. You are, you are a, a culmination of your thoughts. Like that's what you end yeah. up being. Yeah. And so what influences your thoughts? You know, and so I, I always try really hard like, whether it's music, whether it's podcasts, whether it's TV that you're watching, the friends you're hanging out with, you know, yeah. they say you're the, you are the, a mix of the five people you spend the most time with. Think about yeah. that. Yeah. Dude, I cut some people out of my shit. When I, when I, somebody said that to me, I was like, I don't want to be like that guy. Like I hang out with him once in a while. Cause we've been friends a long time, but I'm like, he's got to go. Like, I don't want to yeah. hang out with that. I don't want to become like that. Yeah. You know? And I, I don't know. We're getting into the weeds here, but it's a fantastic book. If you ever think about it, it's just the concept is basically like, look at it. Your, your brain is like a, a garden, right? If you, if you don't seeds and water it and intentionally take care of a garden, it'll just grow weeds and that shit will just get crazy with weeds. Right. But you plant seeds and you're, you're very uh, specific about what you're planting in the water and you're taking care of it and you're 
you're watching what goes, what you know what I mean? It'll grow and it'll produce good fruit. Yeah. Your brain's the same way, man. You, you feed it good things and you, you keep positive thoughts going in and that inner monologue inside your head. You know, uh, I, I wish I could go back to when I raced cause all the time. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was yeah. just talking to, I was just talking to Phil Lawrence about this yesterday. Phil Lawrence yeah. is my brother-in-law. He married my wife's sister yeah. and, uh, he and I were talking about this and I said, man, you know, like I wish I could go back to when I raced. I would be sitting on the line and be like, okay, you can do this, man. Like you got this, you worked hard. You this. And in the back of your head, that little fucking voice. Oh no, you can't, man. You got to race against, so, you know, oh, Casey Johnson's down there. He's gone good right now. Oh, so-and-so had a good lap time in practice. Ah, shit. No, nobody can beat him. You know, like yeah, your brain, it's a dick sometimes, yeah. right? And you've got to be able to get a hold of it and go, nope, you've done the work, dude. You are just as talented. You can do this. And if you can't keep that inner monologue on a positive track, it'll steer you a hundred different ways, the wrong direction. And I, I think that that happens to a lot of guys happened to me for sure. And I think those guys that can kill it, like Ricky James, Reedy, yeah. fucking Reedy. Is there anybody that's more headstrong than that dude? <laughs> I think they mastered that. Yeah. They were able to somehow turn that negative off and it's just all positive. I used to laugh cause Reed would, he would, just be getting his ass kicked week in, week out. Couldn't even get on the box. And then, you, you know, halfway through the season, you talk to him and how you feel out there? Ah, oh, good, man. I think I can win tonight. I'm like, what? Win? <laughs> what, what would what make you, you think, think that? that? <laughs> but then sometimes you would. And you're like, wow, like this guy just, nothing stops him from believing in himself. I, how does he do that? Like I was, I mean, it's incredible. So anyway, I'm trying to like really, really focus on that, you know, just being good to myself in that inner monologue. And the minute yeah. it starts going, ah, dude, you know, there's, you know, whatever, whatever it is. I got some you good know? books for you. Shut that if, shit off. I got some yeah? good books for you. If dude, that's text them to me. Yeah, yeah, I'd, yeah, love, yeah, I'd sure. love to read them. Well, I mean, the, uh, the thing too is like, you don't know where your thoughts come from. Like the, the problem, the problem that we all have in our life is that we think we're the author of our thoughts. Like we, we think that we're steering the ship and we're not. And all you've got to do is sit down for two minutes, put a timer on your phone for two minutes, close your eyes and just like try and not think a thought. That's fucking impossible. <laughs> and, but yeah, it, it, it is. And so, and you then, so you got two minutes and then you decide that two minutes, you're like, oh fuck. So I can't not think a thought. And then so it's like, okay, so I'll spend the next two minutes watching these thoughts. And like, what's the character of these thoughts? Where are they coming from? And then you're like, they're coming from the ether. Like, I have no fucking idea where they're coming from. I have no idea how I can construct this sentence. I have no idea what I'm going to say next. So like, when you really, really, <laughs> really break down, uh, if I make a fuck up in this sentence right now, I could not account for why I did that. You know what I mean? That's the level of they just they just didn't come together right from your brain yeah. to your mouth, but like, yeah, I got no fucking idea yeah, why that. I know, man. I got I got no idea why that happened. And so, if you want to live your life a slave to these fucking thoughts that you don't author, you don't know where they come from, and you've got no fucking control in in any way, shape, or form, and you want to think that you're the author and you're the one that's in control and you're steering the ship and and that if you get this negative thought about yourself that it's true if you think that 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 some if you're like in the back of your head like oh, i can't fucking i'm gonna get tired i'm gonna get this or i can't i, I want to get this job like there's no point even trying to go for it 
if you if you think you are that voice then you're completely mistaken you actually don't know where that voice comes from and all that voice is is a mixture between your dna and everything that's ever happened to you in your life and that's it they meet in the middle yeah and then that's the shit that you get and you're so right man like the guys that do the best in motocross and the best in life are the ones that either completely go blank and they don't that that voice isn't there and that's what you'd call like a flow state or they only yeah. choose to listen to the positives like i was literally just thinking about this i wrote some notes down on my phone about it the other day i had i always like my my thing i have too many ideas and then i won't follow you know what i mean some of them i just let them go and i i was thinking about it the other day i was like man let's say like i'm not in control of these good ideas i don't know where oh fuck did that shit just stop Oh, fuck. Oh. Oh, you there? Oh, it's back. We lost Shit. you for one sec. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Is it all good, Jacob? The last I caught was you, you had this idea the other day. Can you ask Jacob if it stayed recording? I'm just tripping for a sec. We're good. Yeah, yeah, we're, good. we're good? Yeah, he's giving me a Perfect. thumbs up. Sick. Fuck. I was tripping for a sec there. Um, yeah, so I, I like wrote down the other day, I like was in the share and I had this sick idea. Like a bunch of, um, there's a bunch of like video content project content shit that i want to do and it's like they're all great ideas and i just thought about it in my head and i was like to be like the best possible version of me like right now the you that that you're the me that you're talking to is not the best version of me right the best version of me would be the guy that listened to every single good idea and only did those things like all right jace when you get up in the morning you should wait okay, tomorrow morning you should get up and before you have a coffee you should run 5k's and then come home make your coffee and then do like then do some bridges and some fucking wall sits and then make your coffee <laughs> so that's like a good idea right and if i listened to that idea that would be me being like a good version of myself but the problem is is like we don't always listen to the good ideas we don't always listen uh, we listen to the bad ideas and 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 the thing that uh is like helpful to think about is like okay drop all the ideas drop the internal monologue drop all of it completely you can still make a coffee you can still run then you just drop back to like being more of like experience instead of being like the narration to your experience you know what i mean right yeah it's a heavy concept man i I, and i feel like i feel like it's actually something in our sport we don't pay enough attention to no. how many guys do you know that go to like a, a, a psycho a sports psychologist and really work through that shit. Like, um, I got Cole a good Sealy. buddy who's, he did it. Yeah. Cole was, but it's, yeah. it's very few people. Super rare. It's very few people. Um, I got a buddy who's, uh, engaged to Lorraine Huber. Uh, if you look her up, she's a world champion free skier, uh, snow skier, like, she, mm. um, not a racer, but it's like, they go down, pick lines, do tricks and shit. Heavy, heavy duty sport. And yeah. uh, she was, I think, two-time world champion. Anyway, she's a stud. She uh, retired from racing, got her master's in sports psychology, and that's that's what she, the field she wants to go into, just helping athletes. Um, I mean, because she she lived it. She knows, like, how to quiet your mind at the top of a run, you know, before you're going to go and go through your run mentally and, and, like, that inner monologue, how to try to... She had, like, these um, these few key phrases or words that she would say for her that calmed her and focused her. Yeah. And so she's taken that learned in the books and pl applied it to real life shit. And I, I think she's going to be phenomenal. Like I'm, I'm stoked. I want to have her on the show to talk about sports psychology. 
I wish, I wish I could go back and do that because that yeah. was, I, my issues were always injury and, and probably because of injury, mental lack yeah. of confidence when I would, when I was racing, right? Like I come back and oh, fuck you, you're, you're not in good enough shape. You, you've only been training a month, you know, like you're going to definitely get tired you at 20 minutes. What are you gonna do for the last 15? You know, I was a head case at times. And then I'd have these moments of clarity where, like you said, you get into that flow state where you're just not even thinking your brain is just almost white noise. And it's yeah. just, you're just going, you know, I remember races, um, what were you 2000 Anaheim where I won and I, I kind of was battling for a while. When I got into the lead, I opened up a little lead and I just kind of like cruised to the finish, but I was so focused. I got to the checkered flag and I, I started blinking. My eyes were watering. I hadn't blinked in probably four laps. I was just like, <laughs> I don't know, man, in this weird zone, my eyes probably look like, you know, T plates like this just, and I didn't blink. I'm like, that was fucking weird. What just happened? Like, so I had these little moments where I would get into that, but I couldn't, I couldn't replicate it week after week after week, whether that year it was fucking first turn crashes, I'd go down every first turn, but it was just always something that would then disrupt it. You yeah. know what I mean? I could yeah. never stack a win on top of another win on top of another and get these, you, you know, those guys I feel like get to a place where they, they know how to get into it and then they, they can just stay. Yeah. So it's like really frustrating for me cause I've experienced it, but just in little little spots right yeah but i well, think it's I mean, so important and it's something we just go off yeah well i mean it's only something that i've kind of come into it's funny man like if if for all the people that are hardcore listeners to this show and listen to every episode at this point i'm a fucking heretic for meditation and this whole concept and and like all this shit man this is all eastern philosophy like this is all comes through like meditation mindfulness this is literally like just from the playbook you know and I had that same thing, man. Like I'm just now when I, I think it's why I enjoy riding motorcycles more than ever. It's why I enjoy my life more than ever. Cause I've got that, I guess that framework to look at things. And yeah, even when I'm riding now, dude, I'll just be doing motos at like my local fucking natural terrain track. And I'm just like, no voice, no monologue, no, like just literally nothing. And like you try and get into into those states and it's like i've never been a dude that can string laps together you know like when i raced and rode properly and really tried like i'd get crazy arm pumped and i'd be like three four laps in was all i could do no matter how hard i fucking trained and then it made me not want to train and then it was like well you're just not good like you just don't have talent you just don't you know like and i think that that's what you've got this reverence for these guys that can go out and perform like ricky or james or like yourself and these these guys that have just like done it they made it to the top you're like they've just got this talent you know but nowadays i just like i don't think that's the case as much as i used to and i've like just tried to carry that into into my everyday life and with the podcast you know like i don't have a voice i don't have a voice inside my head about this podcast ever I don't give a fuck. I don't think about what people think about me. I don't think about <laughs> posting what I post. I don't think about cutting things out. I don't give a fuck. There's no voice. And it does good now, you know? Like, I just, I do it. I try my best. I put it out. I go home. I sleep. And I fucking wake up uh, and do it again. And, like, it's one of the, you know, like like I said, for the people that listen to the show flat out, it's I'm probably a fucking heretic for it. But it's like, I just want people to 
know that like you're not your thoughts you're not the negativity that's in your mind you're not the past you you know like there's so many things that i think we connect to and hold on as like that's me that's that's who i am and it's a fucking total crock of shit and it can make your fucking life miserable it absolutely can make your life miserable and even if you're not miserable like it can rob enjoyment from these moments in your life like when you are at the track and doing the thing that you want to do or when you are with your kids and you want to change something about the situation that you're in now or you know like you've got an hour with your kid and then it's like fuck yeah i've got i gotta go in like 15 minutes you know and so instead of just like cutting off like enjoying the 15 minutes like giving everything to that 15 minutes and the and your kid or whatever and then it's like okay bang 15 minutes then i'll think about i've got to leave it's just there's these little things and i think that if people have these like tiny perspective shifts in their life fuck man like the difference can be so dramatic i agree i think the worst thing for uh being in the moment the worst thing and and it is that is such an important thing right like because we I say we, like I do this too. I'm, I'm always thinking about, okay, well, wow, what could I have done better on that last show? Or, you know, the last shift I had that I, you know, you're thinking about past shit and then you're thinking, okay, man, I gotta, I gotta save for retirement and my kids are going to college or, you know, I gotta buy a car. They're going to get married. You forget the fucking right now. You know, we, we commit so much time and energy and thought to the back and the forward that we neglect right now. And that's really all that matters, you know, like, I, and I, sh- of all people should know that I see people die all day yeah. and you just think, dude, that could be me. That could be my kids. That, I mean, that could happen to any of us right now. We, we all take for granted that we're, I, well, I live to be 80, right? That's the average life expectancy or whatever. No, nah, man, I see people drop dead all the time, yeah. perfectly healthy people for no reason at all. And, uh, I, 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 that shit happens and I bring it back around and go, okay, I need to, I need to just like, when I go home today, fuck everything else. Like I need to just hang out with my kids and, and yeah. be there right yeah. then and, and whatever. And, but it's tough, but social media, I think it's the worst dude. I think we're, we're constantly like, where, where do you go when you pop onto Instagram and start scrolling and what the fuck are you doing anyway? What I mean, like I, to me, I do it when I'm taking a shit and it's good times. It kind of passes yeah. the time or whatever, but I'll, I'll sit there so long. My, my feet will start going numb. And I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> what the fuck? I've just gone through everyone else's life. You're in the scroll hole. Man. I can't feel my feet. I got big red marks on my thighs. Like get off of here, dude. I, I was done pooping 10 minutes ago. I'm just scrolling through everybody's <laughs> it's stories. Sitting it's such state. a time waste. Yeah. What are you, what are you really getting out of it? I mean, I, it's just crazy. And, and I get it because from a business side, there is a, a value to it, but I look at it and I go, what on here? You know, like I need to just go live my life. Like right now, what's yeah. going on right now that I should be doing or could be doing or could be enjoying. So I fight that battle. I'm sure everybody does. It's easy to get oh, sucked into it. That's but. the human condition, you know? And, and the thing is, is like, I actually, I don't think that it goes away ever. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think you ever get to a point like, uh, where, I mean, so to fucking go Buddhist term, it's like, I'm, I don't feel like I'm ever going to be a Buddha. You know what I mean? Like with the, I can look at this shit and I can know these kinds of, the thoughts are still going to come. It's still going to affect me. I'm still going to get super connected to some shit and then have to check and realize that it's, uh, that it's not there. So I think that knowing that that's what we're here for, like that's the human condition, but it's like, 
if if that condition produces any kind of like suffering in your life and you're like you are hung up on an ex-girlfriend like fuck dude how many dudes do you, that you know that their life's been fucking derailed by a chick that broke up with them and it's like they'll spend yeah. years man like thinking about man if i did this like there was that one fucking night I've got those friends and I'm just like, bro, that's doesn't, it's not real. It doesn't exist anymore. It's only, it's real in your mind that you're, you're making it so, you know? And I think that the, yeah. there's a, a powerful thing that people can just do in every moment of their life, right? Traffic sucks. Traffic, fucking terrible. What's good about traffic? How can you find the positive in traffic? Okay. There's going to be a time in your life where you cannot drive a car. There's going to be a time in your life when you would fucking kill to get stuck on the 91 you would fucking kill yeah. as an 84 year old man that's had his license taken away got cataracts in his eyes and would fucking love to go see a re remake of like a movie that you saw when you were 33 years old you know you'd fucking yeah. kill to be stuck on the 91 trying to get to that movie yeah. there will be a last time you ever just a perspective like, change you there'll be a last time you'll ever hold your girl in your arms like that there'll be a time where it won't be physically a feasible thing to do so what if you're in that mode now and you've got kids that you can hold like understand that it goes nothing lasts man you know and it's like there's a last time you'll yeah. kiss your wife there's a last time you'll see your kid there's a last time you'll ride at a dirt bike track with a certain friend and you fucking don't know nobody knows and yeah. it's like to to live i think that yeah, to live in that kind of mindset where, like, every time you get in the car, like, whoop, this could be the last time. Let's fucking play some good music. Let's enjoy this motherfucker, you know? Like, there's going to be a time where, like, this shit gets yeah. taken away. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I, and I, I guess that's a good way to look at it is nobody, no one's ever, no one's ever achieving a state where, like, they don't have anything that they could yeah. do better, like, perfection, right? It's unattainable. But I think as long as you recognize, like, okay, I'm being a grumpy asshole right now. I need to like, you know, have a look at my life overall from a 30,000 foot view and go, I got shit. I got shit pretty good. You know what oh, I'm saying? Yeah. And I, I think I've gotten pretty good. I can want to catch myself when I'm grumpy. It's a lot of time. It is in traffic. I hate traffic. Like it really, Oh, it my fucking blood pressure sucks. just goes, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I, I've, I figured, I know whether it's listening to a podcast or whatever, I found a way to kind of, get through it and, and recognize yeah. like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to end up getting shot here. Cause I, in Southern California, <laughs> that's what happens. Someone will just pull a gun on you if you flip them off. So I better just check myself and chill out. So, uh, anyway, Hey, you got a non moto, you got a podcast you like to listen to? Uh, Lex Friedman. Okay. Have yeah. you ever heard of him? I listened. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever listened to his podcast, but yeah no he's cool i honestly um i actually don't listen to anything at all like i'll listen to no. i'll listen to his stuff um but it's mostly like youtube clips um and then like some rogan shit like i i really like rogan that's the only podcast i've ever listened to so like when i started gypsy yeah. tales that was the only one i'd i'd literally never listened to another podcast um and so there's a few of, of his that I'll still listen to, but I kind of just went on a bit of a thing of like, if I'm going to do one, I'll just do one that's like completely mine. And then 
just you know what I mean I give up that the podcast thing yeah. like my biggest my thing is yeah. probably I'll just like read most of the time if I can if I'm not yeah. working on this you know well the only I just the only time I have is when I'm driving to work and I've yeah, got see, I don't drive way. much so um no yeah well I started I always listen to Rogan like I said before I got into mine and then I kind of don't want to like I don't listen to a lot of other moto stuff just because you know yeah. When you fucking talk moto and I'm built and I'm doing vital and I'm, I'm kind of like motoed out a little bit. I need something that's like a break from that. And I found this podcast. If you ever wanting something different, it's called Smartless. Yeah, it's right. Jason Bateman, Sean Hayes, and Will Arnett, which are oh. I, three funny. I think they're kind of assholes in real life, but they're so funny, dude. They just bring on a guest. Two of them don't know who it is, and they. Just bullshit, but it's so funny. If you're ever looking for something different, I, I can't recommend it enough, man. It's hilarious. That's awesome. You know, uh, actually, one that I do listen to every now and again uh, is I'll put on a couple of select Tim Ferriss ones, like if it's with people I like. Um, I don't mind his shit. Uh, and then also Dax Shepard. I don't know if you've heard Oh, Dax Shepard. Armchair yeah. quarterback or whatever. Yeah, I, I listen armchair, to armchair yeah. experience. Yeah, he's a, he's a yeah. cool, 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 cool motherfucker. Um, so yeah, yeah that's, he is. That's, cool that's story like too. Life crazy story. story. Um, so with the uh, with the vital stuff, the, the bike tests seem to be well. That's like something that you've kind of like always done. Um, is that like a a legit core passion of yours? Is like riding these different bikes, or is that something that not that it's like a a box to be ticked, and it's like a good it's, is it a job or a passion essentially? Uh, I get, I get a lot from them. So that's like the, that's like the context. Like I watch most of your bike tests because I really enjoy, uh, just different bits of feedback and, you know, seeing what people are doing to bikes yeah. and stuff like that. So I just didn't know whether that was like a thing that you're, is really like coming from you. No, it is. It is a passion of mine. And like I said, when I'm, moved to racer X to here. I just said, look, here's what I want to do this, mm. this, this, and this. So let's come up with an agreement that, that you feels good for both of us. Cause these are the things I like doing and bike testing was one of them project bikes and bike testing. And the thing that I do enjoy, because as, as a pro rider, especially you, you have to learn to test. You have to figure that out. You know, you, you just, you can't be successful without knowing if your bike is doing something, you've got to know why. Yeah. And it, it is a, it is a learned skill set, man. It's not, you're not just born with it or, or, you know, because you were mm. a good amateur, you all of a sudden know how to do that. I, I've, I'm telling you all the time I listen to pro kids come up or amateur kids come in a pro and they're like, to hear them try to give feedback to bones at pro circuit or whoever, yeah. you know, it's funny. It's almost funny. Cause you're like, I, I remember just, from the JDR he, days, it was the same shit. And Nate was yeah, actually like, a real I, good I, tester, you know? <laughs> So like Nate knew what was up. So like you got a dude that's like one of the best testers ever. And then you got (laughs) Savachi. And it's just like, okay, so Joey, we got to teach you what to do here because what you're saying is not right. Yeah. Um, Well, it's, it's, and it's almost funny because you'll hear, you're like, I know what you're trying to say, but God, you're just fucking it all up. Like you don't, you know, and they don't know high speed, low speed. Like they don't know. They just don't know. So having learned and I'm not the best by any means, you know, like there's guys who are really, really spot on testers. Ivan Tedesco, Nathan, uh, there's a handful of guys that just, you, you change one little thing and they go, 
you know, it felt like this different. You know, they can tell you what you changed. Like they're really sensitive to it. Um, I have more of a general overall, like, is it balanced? Is it working right? Is it too quick, too slow? You know, and I can tell you what it's doing and I, I know a direction to go to fix it. Yeah. So what I do enjoy is taking a bike, whether it's stock or it's a project bike and getting it working right. And if I can pass something along, like, cause typically it's a, it's a general condition of that bike. That shock is too slow or the, the forks are too soft rebounds too quick. And so I know the fixes. Yeah. And so once I can work through them, I can say, Hey, we do, it's called, uh, we have a race spec video now at vital, which you'll start seeing more of. We, I jumped in last year and there wasn't a lot of new, new bikes cause we only do it when they come out with a new model. But, um, for, for uh, example, we did one. I know, Honda, yeah, yeah, yeah. Honda I know the one that you, yeah, 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 yeah. I watched that. Yeah. Video. And it's just, if you bought one of these, here's yes. what's, here's what you're going to notice. Yeah. You know, the mapping is shit. Honda came out with a fix for it. Go to your Honda dealership, get that fixed. The suspension shit. And, and on that particular bike, there wasn't even a, there wasn't a good fix for that suspension. Send it off to somebody and get it redone. It, they just fucked it all up. But typically I can, I can take a bike and go, okay, if you do this and this and this and this, you're going to get it to where you're pretty close. And I yeah. need a, a click or two here or there based on your riding style or speed or weight, but you're going to be really close. You'll be in the ballpark. And when I get feedback from people going, Hey dude, Oh, I was so lost on this bike. I didn't know in or out. I've tried everything I thought and I just put your setting in. Oh my God. Night and day. So much better. I love that dude. I'm like, you know, like that. I feel like I'm, I'm providing value. value, Like you said, right? Yeah. Adding value. Um, so I do enjoy that. Um, and then the project side of it, uh, gets a little overwhelming because we, it's more than I can do. I want to take every bike in a perfect world and I do them bottom myself because to build a cool project bike in my mind, it's something that makes people go, Oh shit. Wow. Look at that. I've never seen anything like that. Like I just saw with the Slater skins. Yeah. Yeah. People were fucking hating on it. Some people loved it. I'm like, like, I think it looks dope and it's different and it made people talk one way or the other. You might've hated it, but like you talk, you posted on it, you clicked on it. You look and made you stop. And, and, and that's what I like doing. And I have, you know, like, um, there's a guy called, uh, moto moto whips. There's yep. a couple of bike builders and they'll, they build bikes to the fucking nines, dude. Everything's anodized. Another great example. Every little part is, is taken apart and polished, colored, whatever. I can't do that. Cause these are media bikes I get right. And yeah. at the end of the year, like right now they're all going back. So yeah. I'm not going to take six months, pour a bunch of my own money. Cause I don't get budget for this. So I'm not going to put my own money in it to have this stuff done, ride it four or five times and then give it back to the manufacturer with all that shit on it. Just can't. So there's a limitation. A lot of it's just bolt on stuff and then aesthetic. And we definitely do suspension. A motor is slow. We we'll go to pro circuit or twist or wherever and figure out a, a good fix for that. You know, that is kind of a, all of those project builds is let's, what's the weakness of this bike. Let's fix it. People, here's some options, you know, this was what we did and it did fix it or it didn't. And this is what we'd recommend, you know, again, trying to provide something of value to these folks. Um, but I do and just wish, like I usually have about three bikes that, that are all me. Like that Yamaha was one. Uh, I just finished up a Honda 450. It's fuck. I've literally had it for seven months. Um, and we're going to shoot that next week. So I only get a few that I do. Yeah. And I wish I could do 12 like that. You know what I mean? But I just don't have the time. So a lot of them are, 
other folks build them or, or pro circuit will do most of it and then I'll finish a couple things or, you know, whatever. But I do like it. I think it's fun. And I feel like you said, there's a renaissance there. I mean, people are buying two strokes like crazy. They're riding vintage bikes. They're buying old shit. They're, they're, they're taking their bikes and, and building their project bike out of it, you know, taking the ideas from, from all over the internet. And I think it's fun, man. I think it's, uh, it creates a cool community Yeah. where other than people maybe not liking the look of your bike if, if they don't like it, but it's, it's everybody can go, Oh yeah, cool, cool. I'm going to, I might, I like that. You know, I didn't know so-and-so made carbon fiber. I'm going to check that out for my bike. You know? Yeah. I think we all kind of get ideas and, and share cool ideas. And, and when the moto community is doing that, I like that, man. That's cool to me. That's like a family. There was a thing on, uh, on vital. Uh, I guess it would have been around Christmas. There was this kid up in Northern California whose dad died or something. And the uncle was trying to, he went on, you guys help me. Can anybody donate some parts? I'm trying to build this kid a bike and he wants to ride and his dad passed away and whatever. And it's like for just a minute, the vital forum was this awesome place <laughs> of goodness. And everyone's like, I, I got some shit I can set. I'll set him some tires. Hey, I got a spare set of bars. I'm going to send these up. And dude, flooded this guy with stuff, that's right? It was dope. the coolest thing. And I'm like, that's how it's supposed to work. And then it was like the next day it went back, just everybody hating on each other. But for a minute, I was like, that was, that's what it's about. That's so sick. I, I think, uh, the, the big thing, I mean, so like for me, right? So I was a kid and I grew up and like the influence was, get on your fucking bike, have the coolest gear and go as fast as you possibly can, try and be pro and then like break yourself off, trying to do it, compare yourself to everybody on the line, don't talk to, like there was a fucking weird culture of like motorcycle racing when I was a kid and uh, and now, Australia? I think that was global. I think that was pretty much just like any yeah, kid okay. that wanted to be, I think that's just the nature of like the sport, you know what I mean? It's like you've got essentially what you got is like I was at the bottom of the pyramid of moto kids and like uh Nico Izzy was like the the top you know so there's like this yeah. funnel and there's like everyone's down the bottom this is like the masses and then it thins out and then this is like the 10th place dude and then it gets to the top and that was like that was what motorcycling was to me for the longest time and now dude motorcycling to me and this is why I'm having so much fun is like buying a weird bike and like me and sammy i don't know if you've seen but it kind of died off with covid which sucks but we did like this mid 2k thing so we all went out we bought mid 2000 two strokes i bought a 2003 yz250 sam bought a 06 cr250 and then we had 75 dudes in australia buy these two like we fucked the, like we fucked the whole market in australia for these two strokes, <laughs> dude. but that was just the sickest thing ever and we bought these bikes i bought mine for like three and a half thousand dollars and it was a piece of fucking shit like i have never ever seen a bike that was in that bad a condition and then so me and my dad like gav from circo in australia he like gave me a clutch for it and then i like put some new bars on it and like some arc levers and just like got the cockpit set up it had like fucking pivot pegs with no springs like this thing was <laughs> fucked <laughs> And me and Sam went out. We got like this grass track that we, that a friend of ours owns. And we went out on these fucking bikes and we just rode all day. And like my bike had no brakes and it was just a fucking piece of trash. And the old me could not have found any enjoyment in that experience. And then it's like, 
2020 me was just like, this is the sickest day I've had on a bike in forever. So that there is like a, a change. And I think that when you put the emphasis, like the way that you do on like building bikes and like doing these project bikes. And I love the old stuff too. Like uh, I watched one the other day, pretty sure it was like a 2000 Honda that you were on. Like a not like, yeah. was it a 2000 that you did? I've done several. There was a 2002, uh, we did a 92 CR 250. Um, but the most recent one, I think, or is that the one you're talking about? Yeah, it was, I th- I'm pretty sure it was a 2000 because I was just like, that's the shittest bike ever made. Essentially. I was like, I think that <laughs> yeah. those, I like, think I that got was a, the one. Yeah. I got a 98, uh, CR 250 and then we, but we put the motor, okay. we took the motor and put in a 2012 450 Honda and, um, and so I, I just was like, I never want to ride that bike ever. Like that thing's trash. And then I saw your build and I was like, it's literally in the rafters of my dad's fucking shed. Like we, <laughs> we put the frame and everything up there. But I saw your video and I was like, maybe that bike isn't trash. Like maybe with like modern shit, you know, like you could actually have fucking fun on that thing. I'll tell you what I found with some of these is, is in particularly that 92 CR 250 we built, and this is probably yeah. going back. This is when I was still with racetrack. So probably three years, four years ago, I was blown away how fast you could go on that bike. I mean, if you took my lap times on a modern 450 and that, I bet you it wasn't more, it was less than two seconds. I would have said, well, wow. you could still go really fast on them. It blows my mind. And I don't think Honda probably liked me saying that, but like, for a guy who has limited budget, if you're just willing to look shit up on YouTube, you can buy an old two stroke. Hey, right break now it down on Craigslist, yourself. I'd look the other day, well, LA, LA Craigslist. <laughs> there's a 1993 CR250 out there for 1300 bucks in LA right now. Someone find it, someone buy it. Damn it. Why did you just say that? You should have DM me that after the show personally. I'll I go buy that thing. I can cut it out. Um, <laughs> I, I cut it out. <laughs> so, um, my, and you've, you've, I think you've probably felt this. Like to me, especially an older bike like that, where you kind of have to chase parts. Yeah. Uh, fuck, we built an 86 CR250 and trying to get the clutch cover and the, uh, the water pump cover because there were magnesium and they would, it would come apart. I actually had to order a part from Australia. It was the only place shit. I could find one. But, but there's something like, um, there's a, there's an extra, there's this feeling of accomplishment, like, you know, gratitude when you build your own bike, when you break that shit down and you're polishing shit up and you're, you know, scotch bright in the frame and making it look right. And then it's, you get to go ride that. Even if it doesn't awesome, you're like, fuck yeah, look at that. I just dialed this thing in. Like, I don't know, man, there's something really cool to that. And I, I'm oh, a big believer sure. that it does what you're riding. Like you guys all mid two thousands, right? Perfect. If you guys are just, if everybody's just on similar shit, like I, that's why I love 125s because it doesn't matter if it's, you know, still selling now or you got a, a, you know, 2025, you could probably go about the same speed, right? As long as you're all in equal equipment, to me, riding with your friends is, is fun, no matter what you're on. 50s, 110s, 125s, 250s, 450s, it doesn't matter. So I encourage people, look, if you aren't racing, you don't, you don't really need a 2021 or 2022 model that's coming. You don't buy a new one. Go, go buy something, something old and put some time into it. You know, have a project, especially like you got your dad and you and your dad were doing something. How fucking cool is that? Yeah. 
Like I, I love that hearing that stuff, you know, and now you can make it a, a father son project or you teach your son how to do it. You know, like, man, I encourage people to do that all the time. Well, I, th- I look at it too. Um, I was, uh, I had Remy Morton on the show. Uh, it goes out on Wednesday. Um, but he's like, he's like the bearman of mountain bikes, essentially. Uh, Red Bull dude, new Red Bull, like he, the, their parallels in their career are very similar. And man, I fucking love this guy so much. Like he is the most pure, genuine dude. And he's literally got a tattoo on him that says, fuck the scene. And it, his thing is like, he heard it in a Skepta interview and he's, and this Skepta, the rapper is like an English rapper. And he said, um, he's like, man, fuck the scene, build the community. And, uh, and I think that there's been like a part of where we've like built the scene over the years. Like we've built the races, we've built this scene, this image of like what it is. And then it's like, you go to Temecula and everyone dresses the same and everyone's got to look this way and you got to talk like this, you got to get this truck and you got to, that's the scene. Like, and we've been really invested in the scene and, and what you're talking about and what I'm talking about is like, let's build the community. Like let's get together and let's make the, the community is about purely involvement and love of the freedom of what a motorcycle can give you and i i said to remy like because i'm man I, I had zero fucking bikes at the start of this year i literally i couldn't afford them i had one press bike from ktm i had no money i didn't i i had that bike and now i've got fucking shed above yeah. old pieces of shit that i've like ac- accumulated and i'm like i want to work my way yeah. through these fucking bikes <laughs> you know like to me i'm like i'm looking yeah. at it now as uh as like a, a surfboard quiver you know like i've only ever looked at yeah. motorcycles yeah. as like a race bike like i i need a practice bike and a race bike like that was my old school mentality and now i'm like dude i want a quiver like i need a fucking one bike with a headlight and blinkers <laughs> i need like a fucking i need like a road bike i need an xr 100 i need my race bike that i go and do man gym up and all these races on then i need fucking two strokes and then i need like a mako you know what I mean? And it's like, I want a fucking yeah. river. Um, and when yeah. I was, when I was living in America, I, I actually didn't ride at all. I just surfed and, uh, I built a surfboard. Like I had a friend that shaped surfboards and I built this surfboard. And still to this day, my friend actually just gave me a surfboard the other day, but for fucking six years, man, I've just ridden this surfboard that I shaped and it's not good. <laughs> it's just not that good. <laughs> and I've just got like phenomenal waves on this fucking board that i've blown because the board sucks but like i've caught these amazing waves dude like san onofre like fucking eight foot waves there, just like sick as shit ever and i like paddled and stood up on this thing that i built and now to like transfer that into moto and then it just fully takes away the need to be fast i'm on a 2003 yz2 i don't need to be fast I'm just riding me fucking, I'm riding the surfboard yeah. I shaped, you know, I'm like a, I'm like soul surfing this yeah. fucking wave. And I think that, you know, that's, uh, I think that's like a natural direction that like people are kind of already heading. I think we're kind of talking about a phenomenon that that's already happening, but it's so fucking cool to be a part of and, and to like watch the, you know, like let's fuck the scene and let's build a community and that that's definitely happening. Fuck the scene. I love that dude. That's great, man. Fuck the scene. Let's build a community. I love that dude. And I think, um, it, it always blows my mind when there's, there's racers who are high, high level. My brother-in-law is a perfect example, Phil. Uh, but, but I could go down the list, Buddy Anton is Ramsey. Like a lot of these guys don't ride anymore. Crazy. Johnny O nothing. Yeah. 
I'm like, how do you guys not ride? Like, you know, did you, I don't get it. You know, like I, I would go fucking bananas if I couldn't ride it for me. Like you just talked about when you go out and your brain just, just like all of the clouds and the noise and the fucking stuff goes and you're just focused on something to me, that's worth it. That's what give me 30 minutes of just quieting the bullshit. But then I'm getting exercise and I'm, I'm, I'm do I'm, I'm back to something that I, it goes back to when I was a kid and just the joy of being free. Like my parents can't tell me what to do. I don't have homework. Fuck it. Oh, I'm just riding my bike. You know, there's a purity to it. I, it's just like healing to me. Mm. And I go, I'd like, I need to feel these guys. Like, you know, how do you, you were so good and they can jump. Trust me. Any of those guys oh, can jump right onto a yes. bike. And it's, it's back like this, right? It's ridiculous. And I go, how do you, I go out, I don't go past 80%, maybe 85 if I'm feeling super froggy, but at 80, 85%, I haven't been hurt and I got to knock on some wood. It's been a while since I've gotten hurt as I don't push, you know, to where I, I'm going to crash. If there's a big ass jump, that's got heavy consequences. I've swallowed my pride and just said, no, I'm not, I'm just going to fucking do a single single or whatever still have so much fun and I, it blows my mind when these guys can't, they just go, no, my mind wants to go this fast and I know I can't. So I'm just not going to ride at all. And I go, man, you're leaving joy on the table, dude. Cause it's, mm. there's joy in that. I think for me. And I, you know, I, I think that if you really love moto, which those guys had to at one point, it's like, man, the same with James, like it blows my mind. Doesn't just, you just go ride. No one, don't sign up for a race, but just go out and go to when it rains. Let's go to Beaumont and just hit some hills and jumps. And don't you fucking ride a smile so hard. You, yeah, you know what ride I mean? whatever you want, man. Get a fucking KTM. I know it's crazy, dude. You know, like for me to game changer was a KTM 350. Like I got that bike. I bought yeah. my press bike off KTM. Like I, I've talked so much about the bike. Like it was not given to me. I fucking paid for it. Like that bike. I'm not super fast and I'm like, I'm decently fit, but it's like, I'm just not going to go out and like ride a 450 wide open and be the man. And I don't want to be that guy. And it, but I also don't really want to ride a 250. So it's like, just get the fucking right bike. You know, like you give James a, you give James a fucking hot rod 450. Then like that motherfucker can send it, dude. Like he still will send it. But <laughs> yeah. what was like the coolest video of all yeah. time? James Stewart, stock YZ 250. Do that. Go there. Stock mm. suspension, stock yeah. tires, you know. And I think that it's probably, I mean, you know, speaking for those guys, it's like they do, they probably just don't want to be the fucking dude at the track that like gets out and gets on a 450 and then some fucking am kid blows past them and then they're like, ah, oh, fuck, now I got to be like the dude that was you know the champ kind of guy but i think man one of the coolest things like i think if whiskey throttle is probably responsible for fucking bringing villapoto back into the sport in the way that he is like it seems like since you guys did the first rv thing he's everywhere like he's fully back in the sport the twins are racing he's like riding vintage but like that's my fucking horse dude like that's what i wish dunge would do that you know, like Dunge should come back and and be that guy as well. Like buy a bunch of weird bikes. Like, can you imagine how fucking dope it would be if Dunge showed up on an old bike that DaCosta built for him? Maybe it's like something from like the DaCosta garage or you know some cool shit like that. And it's like yeah. 
again, it kind of points back. It's like, fuck the racing. Like, we don't we don't need that. That's doing its thing. Yeah. There's a select percentage of people. But be a part of motorcycles. Be a part of this thing we've got going on. We're all over yeah. here having fun. We've got to pass the time on this rock to, in some way, you know. And there's like a... And then yeah. to get fucking esoteric about it, it's like there's a butterfly effect, you know. Like, you're filling up your cup and then you've got shit to give from, from, from like, going and being around, you know, those kind of vibes absolutely i think that uh what those guys have to do at that level um you know i didn't have to worry about this but like a guy like dungy a guy like rv they have to be able to swallow their pride and and be okay with someone else beating them or someone passing them at a track when rv came into those 125 all-star races yeah and there was a kid aiden uh tieros or what was his name I, i'm what was that yeah well there was another kid that beat him at paula but there was a kid he got beat both times uh he lost once at hangtown to this to an amateur kid and then once at paula to a kid but he man he went up on the podium smiling fucking high five that kid oh, that kid's ripping you know and like it, it was a that's a <laughs> to win. me that was like that's a this win. is rv finally yeah finally people get to see what he's about because he is funny he is a prankster, but you didn't see that, a speck of that. The last, well, none of his racing career, really. He was so serious, and, and there was so much pressure on him. You know, you feel bad for him. If you know his story of how his family broke, I mean, it's fucking terrible. But for him, what he's doing now, and I don't know what hurdles, or if he's if that he goes home and it bugs him or not, but, like, he's fucking greasing it right now. He is, oh. he is enjoying the sport. He's going yeah. back to exactly what all of them should do to your yeah. point. He's super into vintage. Now he's got like, he's got a quiver of vintage bikes, um, enjoying motorcycles, man. Like, thank God he's doing that. And, and hopefully showing some of these other guys, it's okay to come out. Even if you don't want to ever race fine, just enjoy motorcycles, man. Like still be a part of this community. Yeah. And actually, instead of being this guy way up here, this, elite superstar that no one can touch he's in there drinking pbrs with the crowd now yeah and they love him he's probably more popular now than he's ever been so Fucking yeah I, is, I just i'm villapoto yeah is in the prime of his career i'm gonna say it villapoto <laughs> is currently in the prime of his career he's got cash in the bank He's got some fucking dope kids. He's got a bunch of bikes. He can do and say whatever the fuck he wants. And I like this Villapoto better than the Villapoto that was winning everything. And yeah. guess what? I also fucking like the fact that he got smoked at the 125 thing. That's better for the sport. It's actually better. Like, if, if we want to yeah. all sit back and be like, crunch the fucking numbers on, like, what's going to help the sport... Villapoto winning the 125 Cup isn't really going to help. Villapoto getting beat by a couple kids, all of a sudden, you know that kid's name and you're trying to bring him to mind. If if it goes one, two, three, zip. That kid's completely irrelevant. Yeah. There's nothing that came of that race yeah. from that kid. He was just a kid that got beat by Villapoto in the 125 Cup. You don't know his name, but now you do. That's a fucking really yeah. good thing. And then for for Villo to get up there and like be so humble about it be like fuck it dude win like literally that ticks every fucking box Villapoto's in the prime of his career and I on it, I think it's got a lot to do with what you guys did with <laughs> like him that. on the show 
Yeah, I mean, I, he was do. I mean, he was doing that before he even came on the show. He was he was already getting back into those 125 races, and I think that he he didn't know how, you know, a lot like Dungey, he kind of, where, where do I fit in? What can I do? And for like a short period of time, maybe a year, a year and a half. And he said as much, he goes, I didn't, I didn't want to even look at a bike. I didn't want to be at the races. Yeah. I was fucking over it. You know, there, he just, he had had so much pressure and had to, had just to do this. I have to do the bike ride. I got to go do the motos. I have to run. So he took a little break from it, but then the, the, the win was he, he, he realized, man, I miss it. I, I do want to be somehow in the industry still. What can I do? And when he signed that deal with Yamaha and he says, well, I could do some 125 races. I, what else can I do? I could, you know, maybe this or, you know, whatever. And he just decided, fuck it. I'm going to have fun. I don't give a shit. If, if someone beats me, I'll high five him and it doesn't affect me. I still got that money in the bank. I, you know, to your point, he's got everything. His life's pretty, pretty dialed in right now. And he just, he just said, I'm going to go out and enjoy myself and enjoy motorcycles. And I don't know if it had something to do with his dad's passing and, and, you know, now he's feeling that connection with his kids. I don't know, but whatever it is, like, thank God he's doing it. Cause I hope that he's, he's leading the way. And some of these other guys that will re- retire in the next several years, will see that and go, that is really cool. People are connecting with that. Yeah. Maybe I could do that. All I've got to do is, is not get nutted up when some kid beats me or some local hot shoe passes me at the track. I'd you give know, them cause the these guys do, they they're do. like, Oh no, I've, I've, I've heard people say, and I won't say names. I don't want to affect my, my legacy, you know, like the, the name I've made, yeah. I don't want to diminish it. And I'm like, you're attached to something that's not well, real. Exactly. Exactly. Right. And you know what? It was, it was, uh, about the time that guy said that I wish I could, I don't want to say who it is, but fucking promise you know, this guy, uh, I went through my garage cause I had in my garage, like every trophy, you know, like I had fucking boxes of trophies, right? Everything, everything you ever wanted at, at a pro race. And I'm like, what am I doing with these? Like I'm, the, I'm all of a sudden that high school quarterback who's still wearing yeah, his letterman yeah. jacket around and I'm fucking yeah. 38. Right. I said, all right, I'm done with this shit. And I gave, I, I kept just the wins. I'm going to keep things that like were really significant matter. milestones in my career, but it's going to be very small. Yeah. It was just race wins. I kept the one national podium I had and one race in uh, my, I have three trophies from winning Bercy one year. I got rid of everything else. <laughs> I fucking, I just was going to throw it away. I actually put something on social media and some people was, Oh no, no, I'll take that. And I gave a bunch of it away to people, but like gone. Only thing I kept was my helmets and they're kind of like, those are Troy painted all my helmets for you know, 18 years or whatever the hell it was. So I've kept all of those and I have, I think six trophies or seven trophies. That's it. And those are just in my garage. There's nothing in my house. You walk in my house, you'd never, I don't have anything to do with dirt bikes. And that was deliberate, you know, um, cause see other riders who, who had more successful than me for sure. But like they have shrines built. Yeah. They just had to shrine. Yeah. You light incense and fucking. I'm kind of like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hit a gong be proud of what there. you did. I mean, yeah, right. Be proud of what you did and, and hang on to some memorabilia, but like to build a, a palace of all of your shit, it's like, you know, like what we talked about. What about living right now? You know, what about now focus on what's next instead of just let's, let's always stare at my rear view mirror, you know, I don't know. Anyway, 
Yeah, no, I'm. I, hey, I'm all with it, and and I I hope that I hope that Villapoto um, kicks off a bit of a trend, you know. And I feel like Tedesco is kind of in the thick of the scene a little bit as well. Like, dude, hot sauce. Like, if your nickname is fucking hot sauce, don't ever leave the sport that you're in that gave you the nickname <laughs> hot sauce. Like, just based on that. Well, he was poison before he was out. You remember that nickname? No, no. He he got a he got nicknamed Poison from uh, Ernie Fonseca. This is back. This is when it, when he was on Plano Honda before he went wow. to YOT. It was That's early days. My time. Yeah, if you ever have him on, ask him about that. Dude, I, and, yeah, I'd er, love and Fonseca that. would say er, Ernie, you know, in his like uh, Costa Rican accent, "Hey, what's up, Poison?" Let's <laughs> 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 call him Poison. Dude, uh, one of uh, you could ask him the story about how he got it. I love Fonseca, dude. Like, one of the coolest things... If I have, like, a trophy cabinet of memories that I would keep in my garage, one of the coolest things I ever did in my entire life... We, we did, like, this Fox shoot with Carmichael and Faulkner in Costa Rica, like, years ago. And, uh, anyway, RC was like, man, we have to look up... Was Ernie. Faulkner a kid? Dude, he was on an 80. Okay. Or a super, a super yeah. mini. A super mini. He was probably 14. Yeah. And, uh... And anyway, he's like, we got to fucking look up Ernie, you know? And then anyway, they, uh, they ended up organizing like this dealer signing at like this local dealership. So we went there and I got to meet Fonseca and I was just like, man, you're the fucking man. Like I, I loved you when I was growing up, like, you know, doing the paying my respects to the fucking legend and, uh, him and Carmichael would just, they go so far back and you know you know what ricky's like it was just constantly giving him shit and i was like they, they are fucking boys anyway uh fonseca's like hey it's uh it's my mum's 50th birthday tonight you guys should come to the fucking come to the crib and uh and come to the birthday party so like we had a fucking bus dude of like this crew and everyone that was on this shoot it was like ricky and jh and wes and um Enoch and the Fox crew and whatever. So we went there and uh, and we were drinking fucking God knows what, Contrabano or whatever the fuck they called it. <laughs> and uh, But we get up on stage and it was like me, Ricky and Fonseca singing fucking Land Down Under. <laughs> like two o'clock in the morning. Oh my gosh. All just fucking torch day. And I was just like, man, what a fucking, what a good lad. That's mega. Was that before he was hurt or was this after? Nah, it was after, yeah. Yeah, it was It was in like oh, probably okay. 2015 or something like that. But yeah, I was just like, dude, what a fucking, what a cool moment. It was like Bohemian. We did like Bohemian Rhapsody as a fucking, as a, uh, as a, as a group and then, and then went into fucking land down under. So I was just like, man, fuck, what a legend. You took the lead on that one, I got to imagine, right? What? Yeah. Land down under? Yeah, lead I, vocals. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't know if I've got the. Uh, I don't. I wouldn't say I pulled it off, but it was a fucking. It was a pretty cool trip. It was crazy to see how fast Falcon hey. was on a, on a on a super mini, dude. I had no idea how fast it was. Like I hadn't been to Loretta's or anything at that point, and uh, I had no idea how fast those motherfuckers could go on those bikes. It was crazy shit. Like he was probably faster than Ricky, yeah. or like as fast as Ricky at 13 or whatever he was probably huh yeah on a kx one whatever one of are they 105s those super minis we don't do that here uh yeah they used to be 105s i don't know that shit's changing now i don't know if they're bigger than that i have no idea 
Yeah, right. You um, you mentioned one two fives before. Yeah, he's um, Jacob sent us one twelves. Oh, okay. You um, you mentioned one two fives before, and you were saying like you're bummed about like that one two fives went away. Like, what's your thoughts around that whole conversation? There is a conversation. Well, here, here's my there. thing, and I, yeah, and I, I probably have said this about nine thousand times before, but. Let's go 9,001. Um, I think that there's a gap. If for, there's, it's multifaceted. There's a gap going from a mini bike to a 250F. That yeah. is too big of a leap for most people. Unless you have a massive growth spurt, uh, you just aren't developed enough, man. A 250F is still a fucking he, you know, heavy bike, a lot of horsepower. And when that thing gets squirrely, to be able to wrangle that back in, as a kid who just stepped off an 80, I think you're rolling some dice there. So I don't like that. That's, that's, that's one thing. Um, I think that we need a bike that if, if a guy's looking at it, you know, maybe he's in junior high and he's like, I want to get into motocross. What bike should I get? Like right now he's looking at a 250F that's six, 6,000 bucks. Maybe you can get yeah. a used one for 45, five. That's a lot of money. How is a kid in, in eighth or ninth grade going to earn five grand? You know, never mind. He's got to still get gear and tires and gas and all that shit. I think that if, if they could somehow make it sort of a spec bike where like, you know, yeah. stop development or, or just throw your old 125 engine into what your current 250F chassis, like however you could do it as cheap as possible. I've even told them, cut it with the Renthal bars and the Pro Taper shit. Just go back to some steel shitty bars, Cheng Shin tires. I don't give a shit what you put on it. Bring the cost down as low as you can possibly bring it and sell 125s, right? Um, even if we don't, I, I, I am accepting that that's probably never going to, we're never going to race those at a pro level again, but there needs to be a class locally yeah. at local event events around the world for a 125 class. And it needs to be geared towards a guy like me. I'd fucking race it. If there's a 125 class everywhere I go, that's what I'm racing because yeah, I can ride that bike and I'm, there's a real good chance I'm going to be safer on that than anything else. It keeps my speed down a little bit. I can't jump crazy shit. You know, I, I'm sure you've been to local tracks and you watch guys that have no business being in the air, but they can roll through a turn and just go, <laughs> on a yeah, oh. on a 450 and they can go a hundred, they can go a hundred feet. That's me. <laughs> and you know, if it goes, if it goes wrong at all, it goes, it goes really wrong and they don't have the skills to pull it back and correct it. On a 125, you know, you can't get through the turn with any kind of speed. You can't really jump that far. I mean, it's it's self-limiting in terms of how big you can go. So I think that it's it's a great bike to force you to learn fundamental skills. You know, technique, body positioning, clutch use, brake use. It it for if you can't use if you can't utilize those skills, if you don't have them, you will not be able to jump anything. You will not be able to go very fast. Yeah. They're fucking hard to ride. That's the bottom line. They're very hard to ride. And I just also think if they brought them back, even in limited quantities, because we've, we've this, this little last uh, several years of everybody buying them, the pool of them is, is depleted, man. And if you yeah. go to buy one now, like that, what you just announced in LA, that's a gem because they're hard to find. And if you find one, these people, most of them know what they have on it. Yeah. 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 So, cause now people are keep, people are buying them to like, because they want one, you know, for what one reason or another, it's not a kid going, I'd like to try motocross out, but I, I don't have five grand, you know? 
Yeah. Maybe, but if you could buy a used one, like, and I was stoked to see this, uh, the Fantic that's running over in the GPs now. I thought, well, maybe people like that took maybe, uh, you know, got, cause they've got just a, basically a copyright deal with Yamaha where they use a Yamaha engine. It's a Yamaha frame. It's, it's a Yamaha. Yeah. Right. And they just changed a little bit of the porting and a pipe and boom, they called it something else. And here you go. I, I don't know how that. it gets done, but I've told I've. Oh, sorry. Keep going. Oh, I was going to say, I've screamed at the guys at Suzuki forever. Like you guys need something. Do this. Just bring your two strokes back. Like, you know, at yeah. least the 125. I think it would be you. You've got to consider how are people getting into this sport? Yeah. Right. Pro racing's going great. Bike sales are great right now. But how does a guy get into like racing? A guy who doesn't. This is a blue collar sport. Yep. You know, whether you want to admit it or you don't. These aren't. This is the lowest. You know, these aren't kids playing lacrosse and polo. Our sport is like the lowest entry point of a motor that you can race. This would be cheaper than go karts. Totally. And yeah. We have to be honest about that. Yeah, and and truly, if you look at what you get in terms of technology out of a 450 for 10 grand, it's still a fantastic deal. You, you pay 10 grand for a mountain bike. I have a specialized yeah. in my garage. It's worth $13,000. It's fucking crazy. I'm the fucking motor on that thing. How am I paying 13 grand for it? Yeah. But that doesn't change the fact that a 14 year old kid doesn't have five grand. He doesn't have five yeah. or six grand. So if he can buy a used 125 for two, well, shit, he can sling papers and flip burgers at in and out and, come up with that right dude i don't so i, don't know I whether, just feel uh, like we're we're missing that yeah man i wonder i just had this idea while you're talking i fucking wonder if like paris and whatever like glenn helen they've got their races like rem we should have like a budget class so like you go and it's like a two thousand dollar class so it's not like a it's not a displacement class it's not a like a 125 250 450 modern it's literally whatever you paid for the bike and then you gotta like you gotta keep the fucking ad <laughs> that you paid for it and then it's like you get you you buy a two thousand dollar bike and it's like everyone on the line you're going there racing other fucking pieces of shit <laughs> for, that you got for two thousand dollars and that that you made good but like i fuck maybe that's something that could be cool Scrutineering would probably Again, have to be pretty be fucking tight. That. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it'd be a little tough. That's why, to me, the 125 thing just makes the most sense because it's it's already there. There, the people already have them. You could yeah. just do beginner, intermediate, expert, and shit, or even you know beginner and then do a couple age groups or something. You know, I don't yeah. know. Figure out a way, but like they that class, if we could get that to become a standard, I think I we'd see more guys way, come out and race. Uh, what what's a what do you reckon the retail would be on like a one, two, five motor pipe electrics? Let's say we had a company that was uh, like, all right, we're going to build a two stroke motor and then there's going to be like a mounts kit for it. So like you've, let's say you've got like a CRF two fifty, like Hondas don't make, so you, it's like AF conversions, but you don't have to buy another bike and then make the mounts and cut the shit. Like, you know what I mean? You can just, uh, all right, we got, this is this stock, this stock one, two, five engine that you can buy. And then maybe the class becomes like, you can, you race like this stock engine. Like a spec you, class. Yeah. It's just like, but you, you have a way that you can just buy an engine and then here's the mounts that work for this bike. Mm. 
because like that's the hmm, problem, right? I don't so know. like that, that's, that's one of the that's one of the real problems that the this whole one two five thing has going for it, right? Is because the so I just got that Husky one two five the other day, so I got a twenty nineteen Husky one two five, and that thing is a fucking rocket. And if you race like a a Yamaha, like a you know just like a stock Yamaha one two five, like it's that thing blows its fucking doors off. Um, so that's you've got the ktm group has got a ridiculously good 125 because they're still putting cash into them and then you've only got yamaha to to buy another one so then that cuts out suzuki yamaha uh, uh, suzuki honda um and fucking kawasaki right but it's like yeah that that would be the barrier of entry for them racing because there should be a class at the nationals like it's there should be a 125 cup and so we've got a 125 cup at our nationals here um and so that's what we did with this bike so we had bike sales um they're like a website like a craigslist obviously you buy bikes on there they came to us and they said hey we want to give you a budget to buy a bike to do a build and then i looked on there i found this husky and i was like all right so i'll buy this bike but the build will be uh, we'll build it as a race bike like i'm not gonna tear it down and do a custom thing i'll build a race bike for a pro to race the 125 class and so uh, do you remember jackson richardson from when he was over there racing yeah yeah, yeah. so he's one of my best yep. friends i've literally known him since he was a baby um and so he mm. took last year off racing and he's gonna race supercross this year he's gonna do a couple nationals so i was like hey you're not racing aubrey you're gonna race my 125 at the fucking nationals for the 125 cup so there's like there there is like a bit of a kind of resurgence in Australia as well of like doing the one two five cups, sleeters racing it. So, you know, we could have this thing where it's all like in my head, kind of what we're doing is we bought this like I've got this race bike one two five, and it's I'm just gonna put someone on it, and it's like there's Jats, and then BT called me the other day, and he was just like, dude, I'll fucking I'll come race your YZ somewhere. So it's like I'll build that O three yz 250 and then fucking put townley on you know like if you've got that class right that's awesome it, so let's say you build a vital 125 and then you call up whoever the fuck that's in your rolodex and it's like hey dude i got a 125 for you all you gotta do you gotta fucking show up tell me your bars bend you want tell me your grips you want everything else you gotta fucking deal with it jats is bringing his suspension because he rides a gas gas so he's gonna put his suspension in it it's like that's fucking easy dude that's plug and play you just fly in your asus 125 it's a g up it's a lot of fun but i think that man maybe there's something to like getting a, a, a motor that you can buy that's a 125 and then it's got mounts and it it's not that hard to do it mm -hmm. it's like a it is hard with uh so like the new crfs you'd be able to do it with because they've got like the the twin spa but i mean there's some hurdles but hey maybe that's the thing is like maybe it's a new 125 engine with the pipe out the side or you know maybe there is something to where it can be built around yeah. these modern four strokes eleven hundred dollars get i don't know i'm speaking out of my fucking ass but eleven hundred dollars gets you a 125 motor and the mounts to put it in your modern bike it's been modified already so the pipe fits and fucking blah 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 and then that's what you do you can bolt it into any modern bike and then that's that's your one two five class. Honda can do it. Suzuki can do it. Cowie can do it. Yeah, and you could probably go find a blown up two fifty or a junker two fifty f frame sure. and chassis, pretty yeah. cheap. Yeah, I like the idea. And like I said, I think it is picking up steam. I saw you guys. I saw Sleater Racing. I've seen that yeah. one twenty five deal you guys are working on, and I I thought it looked awesome. Uh, but they have the 
125 class over in the GPs. That thing's yeah. that's a lot of people racing that. So Jet it came, has Jet there, came there through is the some support system there. Riding the like, 125s? Well, I don't know that he rode the 125. He rode EMX, so like, which is the... But, you know, it's the support series. So, like, the the thing that the GP yeah. is doing so well is that the, like, Jet, like, Hunter raced the MX2, and then Jet was racing the whole time, but, like, no one was really paying that much attention to him over there. But, like, every fucking track that Jet uh, Hunter was at, Jet was racing as well, and he was in a championship, and he was doing... You know what I mean? Like, he was getting those skills, like... Dude, put a guy like, you know, Deegan, for example, like that, that's a smart motherfucker that's invested his kid on riding at 125 on Supercross. Like there's nobody else that's doing that. Yeah. And it's like, let's let these kids go pro at like 19, 18, and let's let them spend a couple mm-hmm. years banging it out on a 125 class. But like, give them TV time, give them the fuck it, you know, they're with the team. And then if we've got this idea where it's like a production motor, like you're telling me fucking hrc can't field a 125 team like based on their 250f chassis you know they're still testing and doing chassis development yeah. but you you put a guy like that on there well if if the 125 all-star event covid really was a kick in the balls yeah. for that right because they had to just bare ass minimum it, it was scheduled mm-hmm. to continue going i hope to see it come back in 22 but <clears throat> i think if that starts to build some momentum i mean and it was Dude, I'm telling you before COVID, it was, everybody was like, oh, I'm building a bike. I'm going to do the ones in my area, you know, like full gates, everyone. Um, and like I said, in Europe, it's, it's growing. You guys, I mean, it's growing that, that whole thing was kind of building steam. And I think you get enough, like the TV time and enough exposure. Those manufacturers are going to respond. Yeah. Like you'll force their hand. Yeah. hundred um, percent. Whether it's, whether it's a kit, Hey, you want to build it? We will sell our 90 nine CR125 motor and, and it and we got this kit that mounts it right into our modern 250F chassis or whatever you know what I mean even if they didn't if they didn't want to build a complete bike they could offer that yeah they'd figure out a way to get involved so I I think I just got my fingers crossed something happens there like I said I don't it's fine if it never happens at the highest level of pro racing mm. but I think it's really important for transitioning from little bikes to big bikes and I think it's really important for getting new guys in my opinion. Yeah. It's fun as sure. shit too. I mean, you gotta, you gotta have seen that, right? Like it's just, it's fun to listen to. Yeah. It's fun to watch. They're fun to ride. Man. You, you know, know, the crazy thing, like as we talked about, like speaking on the riding side, just getting of it, back to that. Yeah, for sure, man. And, and to speak on the riding side of it. So we got this one, it's like our kind of local track. Like we don't have a, but we're not blessed with tracks like Southern California, but uh, we've got like our local track and I pretty much know like what lap time I can do there. I know every single turn on it. That's like, it's not a hard track. It's just like kind of a natural terrain one. And I, when I got the Husky 125, I went and spent a full day mode on this thing. We put three tanks of gas in this bike and uh, I didn't ride anything else that day. And it was the first time since I raced a 125 in like 03, I think. Or, or like 03 was probably like the when I owned a 125. And uh that was the most laps okay. I'd ever put on one since. And I was just like, ah, oh, dude, you've got to use the brakes. You know, <laughs> like there was like all this <laughs> shit. I was like, fuck, there's a lot of stuff when I ride this track. And like I said, I know this track super well. There's a lot of shit that I don't do on my 350. Like use the brakes. Yeah. The four strokes have made 
lazy riders. It's, it's the one thing I don't like about them. It's why people like them, but I, I hate it because they're so easy to ride. You, you look, I will say this, watch supercross the, the, un, you know, the unseated practice, watch some of those guys, watch the LCQs. You can just spot and go, that guy's got no business out there. That guy's going to, I mean, these guys are going to get hurt. Like they shouldn't be out there. They don't have this to be out there. And, but they're able to go fast enough because of that motorcycle. But mm. the minute it does something that they weren't expecting, it's ass over tea kettle. And it usually is not great. I hate that. I hate that the bikes allowing people to go faster than they should go. Mm. And you get back on a 125 and it reminds you really quickly how much you suck. If, you know what I mean? If you are. don't have the ability. Yeah, for real. Straight up. They're hard to ride. Yeah, that's so true. So uh so what have you guys got coming up in the next uh in the next little bit here? Is there uh is there anything cool cool going on on your end? Uh, um Yeah, we've got well shit with the show, cool stuff. We're we've been chatting with Bob Hanna, trying to get him down on. Sick. He's like, you know, on his own trip, but uh He's like, you pay for my plane fuel, I'll fly down. I'm like, okay. Oh, he's I got, got a plane, cover, right? you know. Uh, yeah, just a, you know, he's got some Cessnas yeah. or whatever, and he, yeah. he's, he's got, a, I think, several planes, but, um, you know, he doesn't really, he doesn't really care about if he ever talked about dirt bikes again. Yeah. Um, but I think he, he listens to people uh, who are still in the industry that he's friends with, and they go, no, no, Bob, it's good. For, you should, you know, you should. Yeah. Come back and talk about it. And because like I said, he, Hannah's done a million different things with, with different people. Right. But a lot of it, because it was on print media, it's just gone. Yeah. And so I, my pitch to him is, man, let's, let's do a digital recording of your career, man. We'll, we'll, it might take four and a half hours, but like, let's just get it all in. And then it's there forever. You know what I mean? When you're dead and gone and people are like, what was Bob Han all about? They can click a button and, and hear it right out of your mouth. Yeah. So um, we're working on that. We have another live event coming up this fall. Um, you know, with Vital, we're getting started. New bikes. It's 2022 is already here. So we're, yeah. we did our first intro on a KTM last week and they're, they're, yeah, they're all pouring in. So that shit's happening. And um, so there's some changes. Yeah. There's some good changes coming at vital. That'll be, you know, you guys will see pretty soon. I can't really talk about them yet, but, yeah. um, good stuff. Yeah. And I went to, uh, we changed up my column, you know, at ping or ask ping, which is now at ping over at vital has been written forever. And I, I really enjoy writing. Yeah. I enjoy being able to like kind of write a paragraph and then you can go back in and massaging. Oh, I didn't like that. If you, if you're using like a, a simile yeah, or something, yeah. you can kind of go back yeah. in and go, eh, what would be better? No, I'm going to use this one. You know, like I like that I can take my time and shape something and reshape it and get it to where, okay, that's, that's how I wanted that to sound, you know, but that with everything going digital, they were like, Hey, we want this to be a video. And I'm like, yeah, I, I, said, I like it's it. Gonna, to it's not going to have the same feel. Do you? Yeah, yeah it's good. Because the, the one thing about it is when you're like, unless you're a professional comedian and you have an act memorized, it's yeah. tough to be, to bring that kind of funny right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Spontaneously. So I said, it's probably not going to be as funny or snarky. I said, cause you know, unless somebody sends in a really dick letter, I'm not going to just blast them. You know what I mean? So I, I said, let's try it, you know, and if people dig it, then cool. 
but that, you know, vital has been very, very in front of the curve and they, they kind of see how everything is, I mean, the written word, love it or hate it is kind of not, not really thriving anymore. So it's been different and fun doing the, the little videos, but, um, I think there's definitely a vocal crowd that's like, this sucks. Have a written transcript. Cause I like to read it. You know, I don't want the videos, but the views are good. So I, for now, we'll just keep going that way. And I'll try to continue to get better. And like what we're trying to do is, is have like more of an engagement where set, take a video of you asking the question and yeah. then we'll show yeah. you asking the question. And then I'll answer your question. You know, then there's like really that fan engagement we were talking about. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And That's for some reason idea. it's, it's like uh, a few people have done it. Like I think this last one has one question where a guy sent it in, but most people are still, they haven't caught on. So hopefully it will. And people will get, a little bit more engaged that way. Uh, I think it's just, you know, man, it's just we, a we process, dude. Like pe- people, it's, it's like people just don't know what yeah, they want. There's man. a saying like, we got to, you got to give it to You got to, you got to tell people what they want. Yeah. Yeah. We, we have this saying, we always say, uh, there's, there's two things firemen can't stand. One is change. And the second thing is the way things are. <laughs> we just like to complain about shit. <laughs> I think the moto, the moto crowd's very much the same, right? You you do something different, they're like ah fuck this, and then if you go back, like this sucks too, you know. Ah, we need this just sucks. I don't know what the answer is, but let's complain about it. So oh, that's that's fucking funny. Well, um, well, mate, three hours um, has just uh, flown by with you. I've um, <laughs> I've really really enjoyed I've really enjoyed chatting, and I, I really appreciate. Um, yeah, you guys reaching out and, uh, I'm so stoked. I definitely think that we should do this, uh, more than, more than just once. Um, and yeah, always whenever you've, uh, whenever you got shit going on or whatever, just fucking let me know. And yeah, I've thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Well, like I said, I can probably jog to this place in about nine and a half minutes. Um, and I'm not a real good runner. So anytime man it's been a pleasure uh i've really enjoyed just just chatting i mean i didn't we didn't i don't know if we really talked about anything or everything but it was fun shit that's right. I looked of, at my clock i'm like wow it's been, it's been three hours <laughs> yeah that that's kind of my mo man like uh if you know you guys have got your um the way that you guys do your show and it's to do that deep dive through the career and that's fucking dope and that's very rad that you guys do that and my little lane is like i don't have any questions this is my notes says one, two, five. <laughs> hey, dude, even, but that's what's so sure. that's what's so great, right? Like, because you're bringing a totally different product, but it's totally bitching in, a, in its own unique way. And that's why I, I wanted to make sure at the top of the show, like I wasn't coming on here just to like plug my show or plug any shit. I just want to make sure that people know, because um, like I, I'm a fan of your show. Like I dig it. I dig DMXS, you know, like I think that we all bring something cool. Yeah. And we all are part of the moto community. There's no hate. There's no like, you know, yeah, this no isn't my primary yeah. job. I do it as a passion and same as you, you do it cause you love it, you know? So uh, I think we're all working to the same goal, which is to try to bring the community closer and plug fans who don't have any way to, to talk to these people, to get them connected and, and get to know the, the personalities within our sport right yeah for yeah for sure and and i mean i I mean like i've had my fucking little bit of beef or whatever and uh and i fucking enjoyed it to be honest it was quite fun Uh, there's a part of me that likes that shit but you know there there was like a very genuine i had a very genuine angle 
when I wanted to reply to to that shit because I do believe um, that you should be a you know like a good person. You should want the best for the sport. Like if you're in a position where the sport has given you so much, then you you there there are no gatekeepers. Like the buck doesn't stop with with a person or with an organization or one. Po- there's no there's no fucking ownership here. There's no reason that some fucking French guy or some you know Belgium dude whatever. Hey, we fucking need that guy too. We need all these guys. We need yeah. everyone that we can get. Recruit the fucking team. And guess what? The cream will rise to the top in the way that the cream rises to the top in every fucking industry. So what you need to focus on is not who's doing what and who's allowed to say this and who knows this about Cowie's work, but that's not your fucking job. Your job is to do the best you can, and if people want to listen, they'll listen. And if not, shut the fuck up. It's that simple, you know? And I think that... <laughs> but it's it's yeah. fucking true. Like, that we don't need any yeah, it of is. that. You know? So that... I, I There's no... There's no beef on my end with anybody i'll call out bullshit if i see bullshit and in the same way like i genuinely hope to be held to the same standard and there's things that i've like made some fucking funny little videos and i've sent it to some people and been like that's i don't know if i want to put this one out and then everyone's like yeah the feeling's probably fucking you're probably on the right track with that feeling. <laughs> and it you should probably burn that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, so it's like, I'm fucking super down to be wrong. Yeah. I'm super down to be called out if I say some fucked up shit. But I reserve the right to then do that as well if I see some fucking bullshit out there. Yeah. Hey, I'll tell you this too. Like, because all of our, we do all of our shit in person. Yeah. Um, just because everybody, for the most part, lives, lives here or comes through here. But a lot of respect for you guys doing this long distance. Because before I knew, I didn't really know how. I'm like, how's he doing it? Are guys going to Australia? Like, it looks like you are doing it in person. So, you know, props to Jacob here. And you guys, like, you guys really do a good job, man. No, I appreciate that. Hopefully it steps up even more. Like, honestly, too, um, it was funny. I was talking to, like, a, uh, I was talking to a friend about it. And uh, he he's, like, a pretty big-time dude and, like, a, a bunch of like big budget shit you know what i mean like he's just around a lot of money yeah. and he, he knows the money that we operate on and he was just laughing eh? and he's just like dude it's so fucking sick like how that how you've done it and you know there's just no money around to to make it happen the way that you make it happen but it looks the way that it looks and honestly like that's the fun for me in this like i'm a fucking nerd i'm a full-on like film <laughs> and camera nerd so to me like I genuinely don't think I'm very good at like the podcast thing. So my whole goal from day one, I was just like, I'm just going to build like the dopest fucking studio and just have like everything about a a podcast that could be good. I'm just going to make it good because I'm probably not that good. So that's just been my whole fucking motivation, you know? You're starting with the with the sweet Australian accent. So panties are dropping around the world anyway. We're just when you so start talking, it doesn't matter what you say. <laughs> oh, damn it. <laughs> well, I can't say that that's good if dude's panties are dropping, but anyway, hey, I, it sounds real I, I nice. Did, I'm, uh, I'm quite thankful that I lived uh, I lived my 20s with the panty dropping American accent, uh, the Australian accent around America thing. I've definitely ticked that. I've ticked that off the, off the bucket yeah. list. You, you took, you took a reality. few girls home from the bar with that, huh? 
Yeah. Mate, that's honestly, like, if people, I'll give away a bit of a gypsy tale secret here. If you just want to know how I'm cool with all the fucking writers, it's because I was banging all the hottest girls around them all the time. <laughs> and they all knew, they all fucking knew that if they wanted to get some pussy, they should go to the fucking tilted kilt with the Australian dude. That's great, man. That's hilarious. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, there's something to it. If you, I've seen this work with GL being out with him and he'll just, just start talking to some girl, not, not saying anything. There's no special lines. It's just, all he has to do is talk. And it's like fucking siren song, man. They're unbuckling their bras before he even gets his second Tito's and seven up down. It's crazy. Dude, you know what I used to do? I used to just go to the bar, wherever the fucking hottest chick that was at the bar at the time or the hottest waitress. I fucking took so many waitresses out of bars. It was out of control, but I used to fucking pick the hottest <laughs> chick at the bar and I used to go and I would completely, I'd sit, I'd get like almost like too close to him. You know what I mean? But completely ignore him. Like there was a fucking, like a wall between us and I just go, yeah, can I get a Jack and Coke? And Coke for whatever reason is like the most fucking giveaway like accent word so like every chick would just fucking do the old next step at me and like while they're staring at me i'd just fucking ignore them dead cold ignore them wouldn't acknowledge their existence get my drink start talking to the waitress so it just became like deadly fucking clear who they're working with here and then dude before oh, i could leave man. the bar the chick would start talking to me and i'd just fucking dip and i did it so much <laughs> like that's so many fucking times and all these after and that's fucking all the boys that wanted to they'd be like hey jace where are you going after the race or hey what are you thursday night what are you doing i got some like there's some guys that as soon as some people retire <laughs> there's like a, a pretty cool group of guys that are like a few years away from retiring and i feel like when a few of those dudes retire there's going to be some funny fucking stories going down on this podcast yeah I love it, man. the The Australian swordsman. Yeah, that's quite a quite a technique. Yeah, nah, fuck. I had, I had, uh, yeah. I will say that was uh, that was one of the uh, that was pretty much what led to this podcast being good. I reckon. Jack and Coke. Wonder if yeah. I could pull it. I'm gonna go home and work on it. See if yes. I can get my wife all revved up for tonight. Oh, fuck. You, <laughs> yeah, you got it. You got it. But yeah, I just, hey, babe, yeah, I might like, be going to Daytona this year. <laughs> That was the podcast. <laughs> uh, well, Ping, thanks so much, dude. I, I really appreciate it. I, fuck, I enjoyed it so much. It was, uh, yeah, it was really, yeah, really, man, really same. cool. I appreciate you having me on, dude. It's, uh, like I said, big fan of your show and you're killing it. So just whatever you're doing, keep doing it. Apparently write no notes. One thing maybe on a piece of paper and then just wing it. <laughs> yeah we'll get it we'll get it done uh thanks ace mate and uh I'll, i got some books i want to text you as well i'd be stoked uh stoked to hear your thoughts please do please do and hey if you ever get to cali hit me up and let's have you on the show and we'll we'll find a few really controversial topics and we'll fucking go nuts and maybe some more like tips on how to pull chicks fucking earth i'm down i uh hopefully uh <laughs> ronan just got his passport the little baby boy over in the corner here so he's got his passport we're slowly slowly gearing gearing up uh like i said the goal is to have a copy of this place over there so i'll just kind of try and split my time back and forward and there's a ton of non-moto people as well that i'd love to sort of do over there so yeah are, are you guys locked down still or what's i heard parts uh, of australia got clamped again 
hey, you know what's fucking crazy? This will be controversial. There's people, when I was in America, right, so many fucking people would say to me, like, dude, I'd love to live in Australia. I would love to live in Australia. I'd love to live in Australia. That was, like, a very common theme. And it was very, that was actually, like, a bit of a culture shock to me. Because I've literally never heard an Australian say they'd want to live anywhere else. It was such a foreign concept to me that I would hear it all the time. And then, dude, I fucking wore that as a bit of a feather in my cap the whole time I was over there. And then I'm over here and seeing the way that this fucking COVID shit has been dealt with and now seeing America. And I'm just like, literally everyone's saying like, fuck, dude, we've got to go to America. Like, we need to fucking get over there so we can actually do some shit. Yeah, but it's, this is a whole podcast on its own. Maybe, maybe this is a good idea for down the road, but it, we haven't done a good job with it. And, you know, it, it, my personal opinion is there is a whole political agenda in this that's bullshit and it's global. Mm. And it was way blown out of proportion. I'll tell you, as a medic, and I, I took a whole bunch of fucking heat online for this because they were talking about the vaccines. And I said, every shift I go on, since the vaccine came out every fucking shift I run I get somebody it's either going to the hospital unconscious had a stroke had a seizure heart attack off dysrhythmias dude really this this, (laughs) these vaccines have fucked up more people than COVID I think and and I don't and I'm worried I'm worried that this is we don't even you know if you took it you're the fucking experiment you are the trial Mm. Right. I mean, I know friends who are, who fucking took it and they're, they're planning to have kids. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Like at Mm. least have your kids first, like, or they're giving it to their kids. And I'm like, man, you know, I make your own choice, but I'm, I'll just tell you what I see in my little pocket of the world. I'm running calls every day. And I, and I promise you I've had more, uh, vaccine calls, vaccine, uh, related injuries or, I did have one death. Um, I've had more of those than I've had COVID calls. Wow, dude. And I did have somebody die with COVID, but they were obese. They were diabetic. They had hypertension. Uh, you know, there was a list of comorbidities. And, you know, they're, they're, if you dig in, you'll see right now they're saying only 2% of the global number of COVID deaths. Sorry, 6% of the global COVID deaths are actually from COVID. Everything else came with so many comorbidities. They couldn't, you couldn't mm. actually attribute it to COVID. Yeah. Right. It was if you had the flu, a gnarly flu, you'd have died. Yeah. Have you have so, you seen what Singapore you just, is doing? The, the, the fucking nothing. No. Dude, Singapore basically come out last week and just said like, hey, uh, so we're living with COVID. You don't need a vaccine. You don't have to wear masks. No social distancing. Basically, we now have a new strain of the flu called COVID that kills fuck all people. And eh, it's a risk. Come here if you want. Don't. Yeah. Well, look, I, I don't know how we don't adopt that globally anyway. And if you wanted to shut down early because you didn't know the effects of it, okay. I'll yeah, give you I get a few the first time. That, yeah, yeah. Like, I get the first lot. The way they fucking clamped down and now this Delta variant that they're they're going bananas about, it's fucking horseshit, dude. It's horseshit. There's something driving it. I don't know what. I'm not in the realm of that, but I'm just telling you, it's not. This isn't common sense. This isn't science saying, I mean, more kids are killed by uh, just the flu than this. Yeah. They're way more affected. Why, why are schools closed? Are you fucking kidding me? Like, I mean, I could go off the, on a tangent here. It drives me bananas. Yeah. Cause like I said, I, I, it is, a, I see it every day I go to work. 
Yeah. Well, yes, the, the crazy thing too, like, uh, and I, this is one thing, like, I'm pretty apolitical. Like, I kind of don't give a fuck. Like, I'm not the person that thinks that maybe if this platform gets big enough to where I can affect a change, like, I'll be a bit more, like, open about it. But I have, I'm very humble in what the fuck I can actually influence here, you know? Uh, but I, I just yeah. say to people, like, hey, so just this would be different for everybody, but let's remove Instagram, the news, and people talking about Instagram or the news or things they heard about COVID on Instagram. Like, let's, if we remove that as a variable from your brain completely, not allowed to think about it, not allowed to reference it, nothing. What contact have you had with coronavirus? Who do you know directly? Who have you seen? Like, if you took the media away from this thing, would it be something that you've thought of? I fucking have not. I have not had any contact with this fucking virus in a physical sense in any way shape or form in a fucking year my life has been completely fucking derailed by like in terms of my personal life which i don't really talk about yeah but dude fucked my life like my my personal life is completely fucked because of this literally i've had zero contact with this virus i know fucking nobody that's had it you know i might know some people in america and heard of this guy from this guy I know that it was gnarly bad in India. Like, that's one of the realities of this. Like, my mum's assistant is an Indian guy, and he literally lost his whole family. But it's like, that's a group of people living in a third world country. Like, that's a fucking disease. You know what I mean? That's a disease, that uh, a virus that's ripped through a third world country. Like, that's not set up for that, like, for any kind of sickness, you know? But in terms of my life, like, I just haven't had contact. And if you take away the conversations that come from social and all the new, if all that goes away, this fucking thing barely exists to me, but it's ruining my fucking life. Well, and that's, that's everybody worldwide. I mean, listen, I'm frontline, right? Like when someone's home and they get sick, they call 911, we come. So I, I've already told you, right? I, in, in December, um, 2000 or 2020, through February of 2021, I saw the most COVID case. That was when it, that was the biggest rush of it here. Yeah, and I yeah, probably yeah. went on 12, 12 calls, twelve COVID Fuck. calls, right? And and I would say eight of them were young girls freaking out. I I got tested positive for COVID. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, what symptoms do you have? Uh, uh, I just I'm positive. I'm like, are you having trouble breathing? No. You have a fever? No. Uh, okay. So what do you want me to do? I don't know. I have COVID. What do I do? And I'm like, go inside, take a fucking ibuprofen and go to bed. Like, that's what you do. Why are you calling 911? You don't even have a symptom. Six seasons of friends like you were going to do anyway. (laughs) Yeah. They watch the news and they get so worked up. They think they're dying. Right. And I mean, I felt bad for them. I'm like, you got to go inside and shut the news off. Step one. That'll fix a lot. (laughs) And then if you start having trouble breathing, if you get a gnarly fever or something else one of these things then call us back if not live your life like it's fuck's you know sake you is, don't even have a symptom it's and like that pcr fucking, test that they use is bullshit anyway yeah uh, that's true too dude you know what it's like it's like a media edible it's like you fucking have this media edible and you think you're gonna die for like fucking 15 hours until you, realize. You, you ate way too much you were supposed to take 10 milligrams you took 110 yeah you so ate too be much okay. of the covid news dude this is what happens to people like you that eat too much of this shit you think you're gonna fucking die no one's ever died from this
You're not uh, magnetized to the floor. You can stand up. You aren't a couch. <laughs> oh, fuck. All right, David Pingree. Well, shit. I don't want to get too man. far into the weeds. I know that's... Uh, hey, it's been a lot of fun, Jace. Thanks so much, dude. Anytime, if you need a guest to fill in, man, like I said, I'm right here. You hit me up. Yeah, Dunskis. I really appreciate it, bro. Thank you so and, much. And I, I'd love to have you on if you're, if you're this way. So when you come back stateside, let me know. Yeah, no, I'd love to do that. That'd be fun as... Yeah. All right, buddy. Well, you guys take care. Thanks so much. Catch up with you soon. All right. Sounds good. Thank you. All right. Cheers, Jace.